Chase Young is a pressure machine right now. And I think that, that, that really speaks to the fact that he's winning a lot. You see that in his pass rush win rate. Um, I don't think it's just the product of being on that D-line. I think that can help. But he's going to another D-line that's supposed to be pretty good. And so I really like San Francisco saying, hey, we have a problem. We're going to extinguish this fire. We're going to throw the kitchen sink at it, right? Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Cowboy, take me away. The 2023 NFL trade deadline has come and gone. Chris is going to break down every single trade that happened yesterday, which teams got better, which teams should have made a move, which players are still sitting out there like, hey, man, why didn't I get scooped? The heck, dude? We zero in on the commanders, why they moved Montez Sweat and Chase Young, how much better the 49ers are going to be, why Daniil Hunter is still in Minnesota, and Chris's favorite trade of the day, Rasul Douglas to the Buffalo Bills. And we've got Stanford Steve. It's a college football and NFL betting show. He's going to join Chris with Macon. They're going to pick their three locks, pick out some of these great college football games from the upcoming weekend. Steve's going to tell us all about Monday night as well. He spent some time in Detroit and a little preview of Tuscaloosa. How wild is game day going to be? It, it only goes there like two or three times a season, doesn't it? Y'all enjoy this trade talk. Enjoy the bets. Make sure you play them all. We only pick winners. We'll catch you on Friday. Okay, it's 9.30 at night. I eventually want to go to sleep. I had the kids out trick-or-treating, had to drive them home. The baby didn't like trick-or-treating, so mama abandoned us in the cul-de-sac, and she was like, oh, you got the kids, which is fine. It's Halloween, but I told her it's trade day, so I got to come back into work and record again. We had to record earlier today. You're going to hear that portion with Steve and Macon. We talked about at around lunchtime, some of the trades that happened last year, but we stayed out of the trades that happened today because of the timing. Nobody wants to do a podcast on what happened uh, at the trade deadline at noon. So because of our schedules, what you're going to hear for most of this pod is dated as it pertains to trades. And most of that is going to revolve around gambling, okay? I suck right now. I can't win a bet. I'm obsessed with it. Sometimes like, not for lack of trying though you are studying yeah i'm studying my ass off and that's what got me into trouble last week i hit a little road bump 10 days ago and i've been chasing ever since and it just got ugly this weekend and this i only i only know how to do one thing work my way out of it even though the situation like where paul rudd's on the beach and they're like do less (laughs) you know like that whole thing forgetting sarah marshall Mm -hmm. is that the movie yeah or you know in tin cup i feel like somebody's got to put a fucking something in my pocket like roy mcavoy or something isn't that what happened to yeah, him yeah put a t behind your ear all your change in your left pocket exactly like i didn't put my change so. in my left pocket so we spent a lot of time talking about gambling this week uh the locks are neck and neck now we've all regressed to the mean or in macon's case he's made a fucking run and now we're all clustered together getting ready for the second half push so we'll do college football we'll do gambling 
a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but I decided to come back in at 9.30 at night to talk about today's trades. And to set the table for this thing, I had a doctor's appointment scheduled for 3.45. Fucking brilliant. 4 p.m. trade deadline. Yeah, let me take the 3.50 at Dr. Redacted's office. Everything's fine. Big, strong, healthy boy. It's all good. But it kind of sucks sitting in the waiting room when there's no phones allowed and I was a good boy. I did not look at what was going on in the late threes. I get into the doctor's office. I'm sneaking my phone out and the dude walks right in. And so I don't have any time. We're talking about my health. I can't be like, hey, doc, can we, can we stop for a second so I can see if Jalen Johnson got moved? Like, I just don't have that ability at the doctors to do that. And so it was really bad scheduling by me. I walked out into the hallway. First off, something you notice when you go to a doctor's office, the day of the trade deadline is that people in the doctor's office don't give a fuck about the NFL or <laughs> trades. It's like I come out of this little bunker that I'm in where everybody at work, all we think about is football. Everybody on my timeline, all they're thinking about is football. Just a bunch of sickos and we don't know we're sickos and then I go out in the world and it's just nurses and scrubs that couldn't give a fuck less about Montez Sweat. And we're in commander's country here. I didn't hear anybody, they were just giving out flu shots, which I got one. Okay, you can call me a sheep if you want, but I'm getting a flu shot. Okay, I, last year, didn't get a flu shot. The thing knocked me down. I was laid up like somebody in the 1800s who was going to die. They cut their leg amputated. You know how those guys feel on the table in the Civil War? That's how I felt watching dolphins, bills in the snowstorm. I was hurting, so I got the flu shot today. But I go out in the hall. Nobody's talking about the NFL. Nobody gives a fuck about the NFL. I'm, I'm on my way out. I'm at the, the, the table. And, um, you know, the lady is like, you know, she knows I played. So she, and I'm like, what'd you think about Donovan Peoples Jones? And she just looked at me like, I don't know who the fuck that is. And I don't blame her. And that's kind of what today's trade, trade deadline came down to. Now, I know in the last like five, seven years, the NFL's made some gains on the NBA, but we'll, we'll never be the NBA. She might have heard about the James Harden trade. She might have heard about the James Harden trade. Well, really, it's more the P.J. Tucker trade for me. <laughs> I love P.J. Tucker. It's the Josh Harris trade for me. That guy's willing to rebuild. Exactly, and we'll talk about that in a second. I actually talked to Rosillo tonight, and I was like, what did you think about the trades? And he's like, listen, Embiid. I'm like, well, I, but motherfucker, I'm talking about the NFL. Take a break. Take a break. And I'm like, no, I like P.J. Tucker. What happened with that? He's like, well, you know, no, no guy that age has a contract set up like that. You know, the whole thing. I'm like, no, I... Tell me what you think about Montez Sweat, Ryan, just for a second. Humor me. Um, but I walk out of the doctor's and I see that really nothing happened at four o'clock. What is this, Killers of the Flower Moon? <laughs> it's like fucking, I've never seen something with so much buildup. Three and a half hours of waiting. At least. I feel like we waited three and a half weeks. I'm not complaining because in this job, it's really good to have something to talk about. I would kill for a trade deadline come like fucking May or something. Okay, or June. But this is what we've got now, and the NFL is trying to make this more of a thing. And we, we fall for the okie doke. Every year we fall for the uh, banana and tailpipe. And we do it willingly. I'll be in the front of the chow line next year, no problem, talking about Derrick Henry. You got to trade him now. At some point, the fucking, this Dotson is going in the shop. But like it's got it's got four hundred thousand miles on it, and, and and it hasn't slowed down yet, and people are not sending over enough 
to pry him out of Tennessee. It's like, even the trades that don't happen are pretty fun too. It's fun to talk about the trades that don't happen. You know, like it feels good to put your GM hat on for like a week and you're like, ah, oh, I could do this shit. But then later you get into talking about comp picks and free agency and it's like fucking your head's in a blender. We just talked about it for 30 minutes trying to figure out one player not getting moved today. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But overall, trade day, a lot of fun, the build up, the whole thing. It didn't deliver, you know, like in the splashy ways that we thought it might. You talk about running backs, quarterbacks, that sort of thing. But it, there, there were some significant moves. So I wanted to come back in the office, talk about this stuff, and then we'll get into Sanford Steve, Macon, and myself bullshitting about God knows what for 90 minutes. I'll start with the guys who are not D linemen. A lot of the reason I'm in here is to talk about D linemen. Because I don't feel like every year we have three, four D linemen traded at the deadline who people have heard of. And that's what we have today. Does that speak to the position a little bit? Like just how significant it is for a playoff push? I think so, but one of the teams is not making a playoff push. <laughs> right. Okay? And we can talk about that in a second. Also, one of the guys that I was sure that somebody that was making a playoff push would be after, nobody plucked. So we'll get into that. Here are the guys that, you know, like popped up that were non-D linemen. You know, the Ezra, Ezra Cleveland trade, I think like, I think this is a good one for Jacksonville. I, we were talking about it as a group, like it's an upgrade. Shatley has struggled, right? Um, Walker Little's been banged up. When you look at Jacksonville's pass rush or pass block win rate, I don't think the pass rush win rate's very good either on the other side, and that might come up again outside of Josh Allen, who's been fucking dynamite, but like, They've hidden this thing up front pretty well if you're not watching them closely. I mean, you don't think of like dumpster fire O-line in Jacksonville, but when the you know the numbers bear out, it's not great. Like in the past game, it hasn't been great. And Ezra Cleveland is worth a 2024 six. And you know, I thought they'd be real aggressive. This was not like a splashy aggressive move, but this is a move that says everything you know, need to know about what they think is important. Like when we talk about San Francisco in a second, I don't know if they were making a move for somebody in the back end, but if you look at the Russian coverage problem, because it is a, it's a married problem, um, meaning, hey, when your D-line's not getting home, you can look at the back end sometimes. I think there's some validity to that in San Francisco and vice versa, right? Um, they decided to build up front. You know, like if they're gonna make a move today, they made it up front. So it's interesting for Jacksonville, Pass rush was a concern, but evidently pass blocking is a bigger concern. And I kind of get it, you know, like I kind of get it. I was all horned up for somebody to make a move for, for Hunter. Nobody made a move for Hunter. Ezra Cleveland is a, it's a trade that makes sense. It's not something that's gonna wow you, it's a trade that makes sense. And Balky's had some decent trades. I mean, he just made the Ridley trade, which I think we're gonna talk about later. I, I think that's a trade that's gonna pay off, it already has. Um, he got a six for James Robinson. Uh, there's a few trades he's made, like obviously CJ Henderson was somebody he had to dump, but he got rid of CJ. I can't speak to his draft day record, but he's not awful at, at doing this kind of stuff, and I think, I think this was a good solid trade. The trade I really like, because it, it hits close to home, that kind of went under the radar today, I can't, I can't imagine how. Weren't so many big trades that, that, you know, we Buffalo on the back end is 
we've constantly talked about the corner problem and it's it's reared its head at different at different turns in the road and then with with trey white out it's like we really got to do something and you thought maybe they'd go out and get somebody and they did and rasul douglas and i love rasul douglas um when i was with him he was a rookie in philly and i thought he was a little bit misused at times um but I think he's very valuable to this Buffalo team coming from Green Bay where he's really, his, his career took off really. I mean, he was a big part of what we did in Philly, but it was a much more perfect fit in Green Bay. And this is a guy who can play zone. And you know, if you talk about the differences and the coverages, I mean, like you're talking about playing quarters or cover three and that sort of thing, but it's zone at the end of the day. He's a, he's a, he's a zone corner. And um, I think it's gonna work out really well for Buffalo. They're gonna like the guy they get He's one of my favorite young guys I've played with. Me and Rasul, I always talk about on this, uh, the reason me and Rasul know each other well enough is like we used to sit there in the fucking, in the players lounge after everybody was out of the building and just shoot pool. And he took my money all year long. <laughs> he's, he's pretty good. Um, he's a great teammate, a lot of fun. I think Buffalo's gonna get a guy that they're gonna wanna have around uh, because he's just that kind of guy. And I think he can, he can do everything they're gonna ask him to do. And they need him. So. And that's that's one point about have a GM having job security. Like in 2021, being drafted Kair Elam in the first round. Yeah, Elam. Yeah, Elam. And yeah, like, I have trouble with the name. He uh, hasn't been playing this season at right. all. Like somebody who was more in the hot seat might not be willing to make a trade that admits you made a mistake in the draft. And that's a hard thing, right? Like we talked about it with Jacksonville. And I don't know. I've never been in a GM's head, but this has got to be a real thing because I know as like a you know an, an analyst, it's hard sometimes to let a take go. Sure. I'm not getting paid. I mean, I'm getting paid to give takes, but I'm not getting fired if I give bad takes. I've already, I'd already be fired. We all have them. But like when you're drafting in the top five and you miss on somebody, and I know it's early, but the Trayvon pick, if it's an either or thing, by the way, I'm not suggesting they're the same player. I think Hutchinson is really good. But how many sacks does, uh, does, does I'm, I'm, almost, I'm afraid to say this. How many sacks did Trayvon Walker have this year? Two? Let me see. He picked up one this week. Would it not be funny if these three two- Three and a half. Three and a half? You know how many Hutch has? I know it's not just sacks. Don't, don't, don't go down this road. But everybody- the, 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 He's got four and a half. He's got four and a half. <laughs> okay. Hutch is a better player. No question. He adds a lot. He adds a lot outside. He adds a lot inside. I think he's all around playmaker type guy. And there's a big difference between him and, and Walker. But the same way people, you know, overreact to that number, like, isn't it funny that Trayvon is statistically only a bucket mm-hmm. away from Hutch? Which tells you stacks aren't everything at all. Um, but when you look at these two guys, we like Hutch better. Hutch is the better player. I think that'll bear out over time. Um, and it shows now in the pressure numbers. The pressure numbers. Right now, that, Hutch has 52 to Walker's 27. Hutch might be up around like number one in the league in pressures. Tied for first. And, and, and how many does Trayvon have? 27. Which is still not a bad year. No. If Trayvon ends up with seven, eight sacks and 60 pressures, that's a fucking really good year. Mm-hmm. Especially for what you, what you assumed he would end up with. Like just kind of watching this thing go, especially early this year. But the point is... I gotta be careful just going through thought exercises with you guys because you'll think I'm giving a take. It's just a thought exercise. Uh, Back into the take. Hutch 
and Walker. You think you miss. Okay. Do you want to win a Super Bowl? Or do you want to do you want people to to they already know you missed? Like go get somebody. Go get somebody that can help you win a Super Bowl. And um I don't know the reason that they didn't go nab a pass rusher. We talked about Hunter. We've talked about that whole thing. But like maybe the price was too high. I do think it's hard for GMs probably if I had to guess to let go of a take so to speak. Yeah. And even and not even saying like hey trade Trayvon Walker for instance. But to bring in a reinforcement even though it really doesn't do anything to hurt Trayvon Walker, mm-hmm. I think some GMs are 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 worried about the message it sends but also the confidence. You know, if you want Trayvon Walker to get confident, he's got three and a half sacks. He start it's He's starting to see some results that'll keep the public at bay because you know that's what you need to keep the public at bay just the sacks that's all mm-hmm. until unless they think you suck and then you get the sacks and they're like well that's just stats people are going to feed whatever confirmation bias they have but i do think this is a situation where that might have at least factored in a little bit which is if it is that's dumb to me because you're talking about a window to win a Super Bowl. It is more pressure with the literal number one overall pick. Like that's a, such a franchise defining moment. I would never draft. I would rarely draft a defensive end with the number one pick. I wouldn't do it with the number two pick. You're, you're looking at one. I just wouldn't do it unless the guy's like fucking, you know, like I, I don't know who I could think of. Von Miles Miller, Miles Garrett. You knew Miles Garrett. Look at the motherfucker when he was at Texas A&M. Yep. I mean, so I guess long-winded conversation about drafting and and covering up your mistakes or you know you know the wrong side of a binary decision like an a b decision where you take hutch does that factor in for gm i don't know kind of interesting to think about the way we think about it in the media like it's hard to let go certain takes like desmond ritter starts balling out i gotta be sitting here and be like well i still don't believe it you know and how much of that is is like something I can't control. It's just my confirmation bias. Uh, and how much of it is just me walking back a take. That's a thing that you end up in, even if you try to do your job honestly as an analyst, it, it's hard sometimes. You, you gave the take because you believe something. And they believed in his potential. And, and they, they probably, probably still, still believe do. in that potential. Yeah. So, and, and hey, not giving up on the kid. I've been pounding the table for somebody to go get Hunter from Minnesota and nobody went and got him today. The main thing we're here to talk about though, oh, I gotta talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones. Okay, I'll give you a couple seconds on that. I think he's a good player. I think he's a possession guy. Uh, they don't have a guy like that, a real possession guy, like a big body possession guy. I don't know how big he is, but he plays kind of big. He's big, he'll be, big he'll and be fast. Like a 50-50 ball guy. Yeah, so Peoples-Jones, that's a different wrinkle for them. The Lions keep making really good intentional moves. And they're not moves that wow you sometimes. Like last year, we're going to talk about the Hawkinson trade in a little bit with Stanford Steve and Macon. Um, this, this trade could make a lot of sense, right? Uh, and it's not one that's turning people's heads. For Cleveland, it's a little bit like, hey, you said, Nolan, that maybe they want Cedric Tillman out there a little bit more. Yep. Yeah, the guy that drafted this past April. You know, for, for a casual fan, you're like, big fucking whoop, but... The Lions now have an Amon Ra type guy. You've got a Jamison Williams type guy who's just straight line. Let's see what we got here. We're, we're trying to figure out the way to get him the ball. Had a drop on Monday night. They put it on him. It wasn't all on him. Goff's put it on his back hip, put it in his back pocket. He had turned around to catch the ball. 
but then you've got your your Donovan Peoples Jones now, and you've got a quality tight end. You've got two different kinds of backs. You have an offensive line. Josh Reynolds, you know, they have Josh Reynolds, intermediate level stuff, but like they don't have anybody quite like this. So they're very complete, which is why I always say like Jared Goff's got to play well. Yeah, and they needed to replace Marvin Jones, who had to who left the team, and they exactly. were looking for more from him. So I view it just as kind of like fourth wide receiver insurance, and hopefully. Special team player too. Hopefully everything's okay with that situation. It was a personal matter. Right. There's enough to take him away from the field. Uh, you got to assume something's going on. You got to assume he's not coming back for a while. And uh, I don't know that he was getting a lot of burn anyways. Not in recent games. No. So or in the first couple. You know, it's a good trade. It's a good solid trade. Now let's get to the meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes of the day. I'll start with the uh, the commanders. You woke up this morning, if you're a Commanders fan, and you say, you know, we don't have much to hang our hat on, but we got this fucking D-line, boy. (laughs) And some days we have Sam Howell. Some days we don't have Sam Howell. When you play the Eagles, it's like, we've got hope. And hope is a dangerous thing. And it's a dangerous thing for all fan bases. Because if you're watching this video or you're listening to this podcast, you have a team probably that you care about. Another thing... Talk about sports media and being an analyst is like every fan I interact with thinks either they hate, they hate, you know, I hate their team, I don't get it, this, that, and the third. I'm emotional. When in actuality, most times it's the fan that's being emotional. If I'm wrong, it's just because I'm fucking wrong. Like there really isn't a lot of emotion. The most emotion I put into a game is that I have a fucking sectional sofa on a game. Okay. And that might bleed into my analysis of the game. But I don't care, dude. I don't care. I was really hurt for the Eagles when they lost the Super Bowl. But the next day I woke up and my life continued. You know, like I'm not super fan 99. I don't hate your team. Okay. I actually, if there were a scale that showed like how I feel about a team, do I feel favorable about that team? Do I like that team? Or do I not like that team? If I'm being honest, the commanders are likable. Like their fan base is likable. You guys are fucking something, man. We you guys finally are, have a likable owner. You've got, yeah, you've been, that, you've, that's half the reason you're likable now is because you got rid of Dan Snyder. I grew up around Redskins fans, okay? This is the former team name. Now they're Commanders fans. They were the football team. They'll go any way you want to go, these fans, these Commanders fans. You're fucking six and 10, no problem. We'll go to FedEx Field, sit under a pipe that's leaking diarrhea. You know, like, they are literally diehard fans, and I, I every year, my wife, my wife's one of her good friends that she played lacrosse with, name was Ginger Miles, still named Ginger Miles, and she was a big Redskins fan, and she called them the Foreskins, <laughs> but she loved the Foreskins. You know, it's like it just was a big part of her life. So like, I respect Commanders fans greatly, and I'm about to address you folks because I'm sure you woke up this morning, and you were like. What the fuck are we doing? We're kind of close. You're not close. Not this year. You're you're not close. I'm telling you. When Stanford Steve said a couple weeks ago, we were talking about who's going to occupy that last spot in the NFC wildcard race. When he said Washington, what did I say? Schedule. I said, I'm worried about their schedule. I don't think they make a run this year. They've lost a couple times since then, right? Well, you're Josh Harris. If you're the GM there. You know, if you're Mayhew or one of these guys, if you're Ron Rivera, Ron's just like, I don't know, man, I'm year to year, I'm week to week here. But like, if you're one of these guys, 
here's what you're looking at the rest of the season. You're looking at the eighth toughest schedule in the league. I didn't look that up. I just eyeballed the schedule. Then I looked up strength of schedule. These guys are eighth in strength of schedule in a bad way the rest of the year. You're not going to make a run. You're going to need nine or ten wins to get into the playoffs. If they go six and three, I'll eat my fucking hat, whatever that means. People always say that shit. I will eat a hat. I will eat. I will eat this dirty hat on fucking. I will eat it. I will eat this hat if Washington goes to the playoffs this year. And I know it's possible, but they're not going, dude. And that's not to say I don't like some of the players there. Terry McLaurin, I'd let him watch my kids. Never met the guy in my life. Like, I just trust the guy. He's tremendous. Brian Robinson, when he came out with that big-ass hat last year, fucking got shot, came back, and he's running through people like a month later on the field. Uh, Sam Howell, I love that chicken-eating motherfucker. I love all those guys. I love that D-line. I was on a D-line like that. We might have been better. They don't have a Robert Quinn. Not, not 19 sack Robert Quinn. That motherfucker was different, boy. And we were deep. Now this D-line is dominant, okay? Like those inside guys, amazing. And the outside guys are really good too. Like, you know, you got a Montez Sweat, you got a Chase Young, you've got some dogs there. But that doesn't mean that you should keep them together. Trust me, I was part of a group like that. It didn't get us over the hump, okay? That's the bottom line, is like this team's trying to win football games, not just scare the shit out of offensive linemen. Because that's what they're doing right now. They scare the fuck out of offensive linemen, and the defense isn't that great. Objectively, it's not that great. Total defense, not great. Front seven, scary, right? It's fucking Halloween, scary. But that doesn't mean you're going to win football games. And you pay both guys inside, and it sucks to break up the band. I, I, to this day, I'm still sad about our band breaking up in St. Louis. I'm, I got a group text. People ask me today, an Eagles fan, they always ask me because they, 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 they think they know my answer. They're like, oh, he's going to dump on the Pats. You know, they're like, what's the favorite team you've ever been on? 2012 St. Louis Rams. Biggest bunch of dogs I've ever been around. And we loved every minute of it. We, were, we, we had so much fun together. But guess what? Even though we were together for four years or whatever it was, and that's a long time in the NFL for a position group to try to stay together. And there would be four first-round picks, whatever. Added Aaron Donald. Fucking, oh, let's go Nick, get Nick Fairley. Let's go get Kendall Langford. Let's get all these guys that are just... The band broke up. And that's what happens. And it's unfortunate, but at least Commanders fans, you can go, do you remember those, those teams? Do you remember those fucking Ron Rivera teams? They weren't very good, but that D-line was great. You paid the guys inside. You couldn't pay both guys outside. When Montez Sweat got traded, I was like, oh, they chose Chase Young. Okay, and I don't know if this is when I was in the doctor's office or what, but then Chase Young gets traded. And you're like, oh, I guess you can't, if you can't pay either of them, you just, maybe they really like these guys. They don't want to offend either guy. <laughs> They're like, we'll ship you both out of here. But the Montez Sweat trade to me, when I first heard it, because I don't want to come across ever like I don't, when you're talking about trades, you're just talking about value. You're talking about, you're talking about teams and the, and, and the value that they accrue in the trade, the risks that they take on, that sort of thing. I hate hearing people use Chase Young to down Montez Sweat. Like I, I got on the internet today and people were like, oh, Chicago's stupid. They, picked the, they didn't even pick the better DN. 
if I'm Montez Sweat and I read something like that, not that he's reading anything like that, I just feel so disrespected. He all he's done is be productive. His top end production's been better than Chase's. His average production, his durability, all that stuff. So don't don't miss me with the Chicago got the worst player thing. And I'm gonna get to Chase in a second because I like Chase. But miss me with that thing. Where Chicago, I think, maybe fucked up a little bit is if you'd have said, hey, Chris, tap me on the shoulder, three o'clock in the waiting room, nurse comes up, nurse is like, yo, somebody just traded for Montez Sweat. I'm like, what did it take? It took a two. If I had to guess who that team was, one of the last teams I would have guessed would have been the Chicago Bears. Because right. I just don't, like, I don't understand where they think they are. And, you know, like, I think they, Poles, Cunningham, like, Ian's my guy. I don't know who's making these decisions or not. They'd have to explain it to me. Because last year you go out, you ship a two for Chase Claypool. We all know it was a bad trade. At the time, I didn't know it was a bad trade. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I kind of liked that trade when it happened because I'm dumb. You know, I make dumb takes sometimes. Like, I just, I see the upside sometimes in things and I want things to work out. And I think like, oh, you're investing in a young wide receiver who's got nobody. This is pre-DJ Moore. It was Mooney and a bunch of shadow program guys. Fuck yeah, you need this guy. You need him to have somebody to throw the ball to. And I like buying guys low in situations where it's gone sour. But obviously Tomlin in Pittsburgh wasn't the problem with Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool's the problem. And we sent him a whole thing of dip, a whole thing of Copenhagen, the whole thing. I don't think I'm sending him another one. No offense. But you know, like you made my guy look bad up there in Chicago. They traded for you, then they trade you back down to Miami. Like it's all fucked up now. But you do it again with another second rounder this year, and um, it better work out. Like it better work out. Like this guy better be lights out, and you better sign him with a deal that feels like kind of a bargain because you gave up a two to get him. Like that's a lot. And it's, it's a, a lot two for, from Chicago. Like we say two, like they're all equal. That's a high that's two. A probably picking the low 30s, mid 30s. That's a high two. And it's, it's more than anything, you have to pay the guy, right? So you're going to have to pay the guy. But by the time you're good, how good is he going to be? You know? Um, so I didn't quite understand that one. I'm not going to give out grades because we go back in a couple minutes and we grade last year's trades and we also talk about how they were graded initially these guys are fucking wrong all the time you almost fade the initial draft grade but um i didn't get this one as much it seems a little out of phase did it make any more sense when they didn't trade jalen johnson at the deadline despite like all every single rumor being about jalen johnson well i don't know how that went down but what i read is like jalen jalen johnson has been given permission to seek a trade which is like such an interesting thing to hear and then not actually get traded because it's kind of like, oh, fuck. You know I didn't want to be here, and now they know my value is not as high as I thought it was, and nobody came to save me, and I'm right back here. Now, I can't speak to how that relationship is in that building, but, like, yeah, if I was in Chicago, I might want to be traded. Yeah, it's like in poker. You get a big bluff, and you get called. It's not yeah. a good feeling. All right, it, Chase Young. This was the big story, right? Because it was like Montez Sweat, and we were like, oh, they're done, the whole thing. The Chase Young thing, I think, is a very good move for the for for the for the Commanders. I get. Uh, I don't want to take it from the Commander side. I just want to talk about San Francisco's side. Who is Chase Young? Okay, I think this is the first question. I've said this before. I think when he was young, people overrated him, and 
three years later, whatever it is, it's been a long three, four years. I think he's underrated. Okay. And the injuries, that sort of thing, you can't control that stuff. He's got like 15, 16 sacks on his career. But when I watch the guy, especially now, I feel like he's figuring some things out in pass rush. And I had no idea that he was in the top five in pressures in the league. He's got 40 to this point. Uh, we're at the halfway mark or so, the 48th percentile mark or whatever. Damn 17 All games fucked up, made dude. Now these hard. guys are going to get more pressures than me. We're going to have to be like, oh, fuck. We had one more game. But Chase Young is a pressure machine right now. And I think that, that, that really speaks to the fact that he's winning a lot. You see that in his pass rush win rate. Um, I don't think it's just a product of being on that D-line. I think that can help. But he's going to another D-line that's supposed to be pretty good. And so I really like San Francisco saying, hey, we have a problem. We're going to extinguish this fire. We're going to throw the kitchen sink at it, right? Um, we go out and we get Randy Gregory. It's like a flyer. Okay, now we've actually got to go make a move that we put some equity into it if we want to get a return. And the move they make is sending a, a three over that they got that was a conditional three originally. It's one of those Rooney rule minority hire um, picks that you get if you get somebody promoted. And forgive me if I'm butchering it, but the bottom line is D'Amico leaving gave them a three. Okay? They know they have that three. They don't know what they want to do with it. But, you know, you think about it, like, when I win a bet, I'm like, I'm going to do something fucked up, like a parlay <laughs> with this house money, right? Yeah. Like, that's the way I think. They're like, I've got this three sitting in my back pocket. Nick Bosa's out there, nine pressures in the first half. Nobody else is winning. You know, Cincinnati picked us apart. What's going to be different about that matchup if you do nothing come the Super Bowl or you play, you know, the Cowboys again and it looks different or the Eagles? You, you're trying to make a run. And so sending a three over that you didn't have a year ago for a guy like Chase Young, who's playing like a real plus right now in the NFL. Um, and I, I think also like you can't ignore the factor of when a guy gets traded, sometimes he doesn't want to be somewhere. You know, if he doesn't have a no trade clause, you get shipped somewhere shitty. I always tell the story about Michael Brockers. Pretty funny. He was in my group text um, for the Rams D-line. We were lighting his ass up because... When Jared Goff got traded, he said something like, and Matt Stafford came to LA. He was like, great, we got a real quarterback. And I don't think he meant it like that necessarily, but a lot of truth just kind of comes out or it's said in jest. And obviously it wasn't the most respectful comment towards Jared Goff, but I don't think he meant it to be disrespectful. A day later, <laughs> his ass was shipped to Detroit. And in our group text, there was no mercy. I mean, I've seen this group text gang up on probably the biggest He-Man on the planet, the biggest alpha on the planet, Aaron Donald, for shedding a single tear after a, a playoff football loss or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. I'm like, give the guy a day. He's, I've, I stayed out of that one. But the Brock thing, that's an example of a guy that probably didn't want to go to Detroit and probably ended up pretty happy to be there because it was a great place to play with Dan Campbell and that sort of thing. But... That's probably like what P.J. Tucker felt like this morning. He sees, oh, James Harden's traded. He's finally gone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. I oh, got yeah. traded, too. You're on the same P.J. <laughs> Did they get traded to the same place? Yeah. Worst plane ride. P.J. Tucker. He's like, fuck, man. I love P.J. Tucker. I hate the fact that he had to go with James, you know? Um, but th this could be one of these situations with Chase Young because 
he's up, right? Like it's the same thing as Montez in Chicago. You have to make a decision on whether or not you want to pay this guy. You can worry about that later. That's what I would do. I wouldn't sign him to a big deal right now. And a lot of times like these trades, you kind of get these deals done. They're not like quite NBA signed and trade things, but like you'll have a deal talked about and it's in good faith. And then they, they, they put the pen to paper when it gets done. I, I think if you're San Francisco, you want to be careful. I'm not saying, I'm not comparing it to D Ford trade, but, and I like D Ford. D Ford at one point was a very good rusher and he had 13, I think in Kansas city. Honestly, if D Ford doesn't jump off sides, uh, on that pick, uh, that, that, that went to, I, I forget who it went to, but the AFC championship, this is one of the biggest hidden, like Bill Buckner situations in, in the NFL. Pats don't win a ring that year. We Aiden's in here. Aiden's a Pats fan. Yeah, 2018, 2018. AFC Championship. Um, Brady's driving to win that game. Reverse the Charvarius Ward interception. The that Ward would have sealed the game. The Ward interception, and the Ward interception would have sealed the game. But he's just offsides, and um, if it's not for that, I think he's a Super Bowl champion in Kansas City. He's a fucking superstar there. They love him. But how quickly things can turn. And then the next year, he's got to play San Francisco in the Super Bowl. He's got to play Kansas City in the Super Bowl once he gets shipped to, uh, to San Francisco. So D. Ford gets shipped to San Francisco. A week later, they signed him to like a five-year, $87 million deal, which to me seems like they kind of knew what they had to do to make that trade. They get him to this long-term deal. He's productive that Super Bowl year. He has six, seven sacks. For a guy who's just mostly playing third down, that's a tremendous return on investment just when it comes to like on the field. And when you're you're burning cash when you try to win a Super Bowl, you're not worried about down the line, but eventually down the line came and he wasn't healthy. And so like they were trying to get out of that deal, ended up retiring. He hasn't been in the league for a couple of years because he was hurt. And so like, I guess the cautionary tale to me is like, you have a guy with actual durability issues. Like I'm not saying Chase is gonna get hurt again, but you've got a guy who's missed a lot of games. You're trading for him. Make it a rental with a chance to own. You know, like give yourself on the back end the flexibility to say, hey, maybe not for me. Maybe this marriage wasn't for us. Uh, maybe this didn't make Nick Bosa that much more productive this year. Maybe it didn't really help our defense. Maybe we lost in the first fucking round of the playoffs and Chase has just been okay. At that point, you let him walk and go make a boatload of money, because he will. Um, or maybe he loves it there. And I can guarantee you this, if you want Chase Young back in the off season, he will, he will want to be a 49er. Because if you want Chase Young back, that means the defense took the next step. That means he's been productive. That means he's playing opposite Nick Bosa, a guy from Ohio State who he absolutely loves and looks up to, from what I understand. Uh, he's with Hargrave, he's with Armstead, he's with that group of deep ends, you know, whether it's, it takes pressure off Drake Jackson, it takes pressure off uh, Randy Gregory, it takes pressure off these guys who are supposed to be Robins, but they're like fucking, they're like the Penguin. You know, like I need, I need a Robin for Nick Bosa, right? No yeah. disrespect, I'm just doing the Batman thing. If he can be the Robin, everybody else gets better. And those pressures for Nick Bosa turn, turn into sacks because he's moving the platform and, uh, and, and I think you'll see the, the results. If I had to guess, this is gonna help them. If he can stay healthy, this is gonna help them. 
and you just avoid the D Ford situation, hey, fuck, by the time you hear this tomorrow morning, they might have already signed him to a five-year deal. <laughs> I, I would think it would be unwise, okay? And just, just because you have the option to wait and see. And again, what I said is like, this guy's been going to, to work every day in Landover, Maryland. No offense, but he's in San Jose hanging out with tech bros right now and playing with Nick Bosa. It's fucking 75 and sunny. I was looking at those shots as I was hemorrhaging cash, cash Sunday of San Jose, some vacant streets, just top of a bunch of white buildings. I was like, I want to be there. Let's all move to San Francisco and do the operation there. That's what sunshine in November feels like. And so like, I can't imagine Chase Young being like, yeah, I want to go sign with, um, hmm, I don't know, pick a miserable franchise because they paid him a bunch of money. The Browns. Well, I mean, there is something to sign in with the Browns right now, but that would have been my answer, but they're actually good. I don't want to go sign with fucking Green Bay right now to, to rush opposite Rashawn Gary. Take, take that, for example. I don't know. There is, there's power in playing in San Francisco. There's power in having Nick Bosa. There's leverage in having this defense. It's fucking cool to be on the Niners, man, right now. So I would just let it work itself out see what happens, and then sign him if you want to sign him. He's going to want to be there if you want him to be there. I think they look at this a little bit like the Von Miller trade. You know, we talk, you guys mentioned that coming into this show. is like the Von Miller trade was, uh, was a huge difference in why they won that Super Bowl. This could be a kind of catalyst with flexibility on the back end to have that guy on your team for longer. Um, Frank Clark, we talked about Frank Clark. Hey, little things like I can remember in 2018, and this is a great point. Me and Nolan were talking about this earlier. The way I think about making a trade, and it's almost, I feel like we had this conversation in the Eagles locker room. I forget what they gave up for Golden Tate. Like, I think it was like a three. A three or a four. And it was 2018. We were trying to defend the title, and we needed another guy. We needed that kind of guy. And, you know, clutch catch the ball at the sticks kind of guy, tough guy, it was for a three. And Golden Tate came in and he helped us. And more than anything, he kind of won us that Chicago game. Like that was, that's a playoff game. What is a playoff game worth to you as a GM? To me, it'd be worth, I don't know, a two, a three? I was gonna say second round pick, yeah. If you know, that you're going to win a playoff game because of somebody. And hey, Howie's taken shots before, some that I thought would work out and didn't work out, the Robert Quinn trade. I feel like people basically thought I made that happen. I didn't make it happen, I just love the guy. I love the Eagles and I was super happy it happened. Who would have thought two years removed from 20 sacks in Chicago on a bad team that he wouldn't be able to get on the field and make plays for the Eagles? It didn't work out, but it was worth taking a shot uh, you know, it was a four, right? Low risk, high upside move. You thought, And I thought he might be the guy to take the ball off somebody in the playoffs in the fourth quarter. And at that point, it's worth it. So I really like this move for San Francisco. I really do. Uh, and I understand, at least uh, from a Josh Harris perspective, you're the process guy. You like stacking picks. And next year, we talked about this, you're probably gonna have a new head coach. And that new head coach is gonna want capital to make a decision. I mean, you can't have the new coach walk in the door and be like, hey, we got Chicken Man here for you. You check out some of the Eagles tape. I love Sam Howell, but you can't expect the next head coach to. 
So it's nice to have the flexibility. I don't hate this move. Lastly, not lastly, Daniil Hunter did not get moved. I can't figure the Vikings out at all. Can't figure them out. They want to win. I don't know. They think they're good. Kevin, I love you. I took the under win total. Trust me. My Vikings win total, I'm like, I'm like four in a row on this thing. Whatever side I'm on, I'm on the right side. You're not supposed to be good this year. I respect the fact, because I've been on teams that were like 500, and about mid-season, you know, even after the loss of Kirk, like you still believe, like you try to believe, you, you talk yourself into believing. I just don't think this is, now tell that to Minnesota. I'm not gonna tell that to those guys in the, in the locker room. It's like when I say Detroit might not be contenders, but they're really good. Like I'm not gonna walk into that locker room and be like, y'all aren't contenders. What the fuck do I know? It's, it's all about how it plays out. I'm not gonna walk into Minnesota's locker room and be like, hey, you guys aren't gonna make the playoffs, so you might wanna sell everybody. Those guys are living in a different world. We just throw shit around willy-nilly as fucking media people and say, oh, this team should trade this part. We're playing GM, we're playing tank. It's a tankathon. Tell that to some of these teams that just, they decide they wanna win games. These guys are playing for their livelihoods. They're putting their bodies on the line. Minnesota has every right to believe that they're a good football team, but they're not. Unlike what you were saying with the commanders though, they do have an easy schedule. They do have an easy schedule. Like they play the Broncos, the Bears, the Raiders, the Packers, the Saints. Okay, let me ask you something. You slide in the playoffs. Is it worth being in purgatory? We talked about this earlier. Purgatory in the NFL is the worst place to be. Nolan said you got to go through hell to get to heaven. Okay? And if you go through purgatory, you're going to have to go down to the ground floor. Like at some point you're going to have to go down to the lobby and deal with the devil. And I just don't think like Minnesota is thinking about things that way. They're smart. They're smarter than me. Like they know what they're doing. But from where I sit, I'm just like, ah, I don't know, man. Like, and I understand. Even if you think you're a good team, you can't think you're a contender. And that's the point. That's the point. Like, what are you really trying to do? And so like for me, we've talked about this team maybe having to draft another quarterback next year and that sort of thing. At first, when they brought Dobbs on, I was like, oh, it could be a bridge. Yeah, this is telling this. You know, they're playing their hand a little bit. They want a bridge guy, that sort of thing. And they could still re-sign him next year to be a bridge, right? But he's up in 2024, so, like, this could be a rental. Um, he also is a guy who picks up offenses really quick. Like, this, he's a, he's a chaos agent. Like, I'll never forget. It's part of the reason I'm afraid to bet Atlanta, although I lean that way. I just don't see it. Is I'll never forget him against Tennessee or with Tennessee against maybe it was Dallas last year or something, Thursday night time machine, heroic victory for your boy because Josh Dobbs showed up. Hey, Dallas, this year, Cardinals, Josh Dobbs showed up. Like, it, the run game more showed up, but like he keeps showing up in these spots where he fucks things up for anybody who took the other side of the bet. And I don't know if Kevin just really respects him and thinks he's the right guy to right the ship and keep the, because part of it is even when you lose, you gotta keep people in it. And so like, you know, maybe they think they're good. Maybe they think Josh Dobbs is gonna help. But what I don't understand fully is Daniil Hunter uh, not getting, getting moved and getting something for the guy who leads the NFL in sacks who you certainly don't need this year. And you have on this like really curious one-year deal for, for 17 million. The only thing we can think of, because if they let him walk, they're gonna get a three for that. The comp pick, they broke this down to me earlier. The top 5% out 
at your position, you get a three. If you let a guy walk in free agency and more guys walked than signed with you, then you're eligible to receive compensatory picks for guys in a certain echelon at their position. Okay, and I got something cleared up earlier, which is that like it is tiered. So the best they could get for, for Hunter is that top five percentile uh, you know, deal. If he gets the top of the market deal, which he certainly would somewhere else, they get a three. You almost certainly could have gotten a, like a two and some change for him, especially at the point that Montez Sweat garners a two from Chicago. So like I just, I don't know if it was the timing of the day. I don't know if it was Bradley Chubb's deal last year. Thank you very much, Broncos, for fucking up Hunter going somewhere else. But like, I don't know if, if you know, Hunter's agent's like, hey, buddy, this is like the dude right now. And Chubb was like a one and some change. Like, I, I need a couple ones, or I need like a one and a two, or something fucking really, you know, that's a leverage play. And maybe Minnesota made it, and maybe nobody, everybody balked at it. He's also such a high value guy. Like, when Chubb, after they made that trade, he signed a $100 million extension a couple of days later. Right. Like, it might have been impossible to get to one of those kind of informal understandings about an extension. I don't know, man. Like, it, it may, Maybe they're going to tag him. Maybe they'll tag him and trade him. Maybe they'll tag him and pay him. Maybe Hunter is sitting there in the locker room like, Kirk, explain this shit to me. Like, how have you gotten so fucking rich? Oh, I signed a one-year deal. They're going to tag me. Then eventually I get the free agency or I get traded. Whatever it is, the tag's like $20 million for a defensive end next year. And that doesn't seem that bad to me considering some of the guys that are making $20 million in the NFL right now. I can remember when making... I don't even want to say it. I felt like I was I was the richest guy in the world. Now these guys are making more than double that. And you know like all things told, I just don't know what to make about Minnesota. I don't. Like what's going to happen next year to Hunter? Why didn't somebody go get him? I think somebody fucked up. Whether it's Minnesota for not accepting a huge haul of picks when you don't have a quarterback, you sell, right? Um or it's like a Jacksonville. I don't, I'd really love to know, fly on the wall, what was talked about with Hunter, what phone calls were made, what did they ask for, and who wasn't willing to pay up? Because at some point, somebody internally is gonna be sitting there like, we should have fucking traded for this guy. You know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's in the AFC Championship when Jacksonville's playing Lamar or Patrick Mahomes or one of these guys or Tua, I don't know. It's gonna be one of these situations where, and it might not be Jacksonville, it might have been somebody else, but it's not San Francisco because they went out and got a rusher. Um, I don't know why Hunter sat where he did. Last person, uh, Leonard Williams. Okay, this was one of the earliest trades. People were like, okay, we're gonna get some big trades today. Leonard Williams, bright and early, like not a huge trade, but one that definitely is relevant. Ended up being like this trade, as far as contenders go, is as important as any of the trades because we're talking all day about the San Francisco 49ers. And trust me, I think they're scary when they're healthy. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. But the team that's in, in, that, that holds the number one spot in the NFC West right now is the Seahawks. So they're trying to win a fucking Super Bowl. Like, they're not just trying to make the playoffs. They're not waiting and seeing like Minnesota. Like, this team is in right now to win. And they also know what's in their way. 
And so, yeah, it's a steep haul, especially when you're not for sure that you'll be able to sign him. I think you make that trade knowing you can sign him. I don't think you ship a two and a five to New York just thinking how he's going to walk after the season. Part of part of the two is the Giants eating 9.3. That's part of it. That. $10 million basically, the Giants agreed to pay on yep. that deal. Yep. So maybe that's part of it, but I still think you got to feel like we can get this deal done. Pete Carroll said, I think he's going to want to be here, man. Like when he gets... A, I think he's going to want to be here. You know, like I'm going to have him shooting baskets in the morning like Dan Quinn before <laughs> meetings and shit. Like he's going to love it. You walk outside of Pacific Northwest. Like why wouldn't you want to be in Seattle? Well, <laughs> it rains a lot. But I think Leonard Williams is going to want to be there. And so it's another situation where it's like you've been in New York with Brian Dable. It's been awful. You're going to come in this building. There's going to be a lot of energy. You came from a place with good rushers. We got two dudes inside who are pretty good, right? We got Reed. We got we got Draymond Jones. We have Mafe outside, who I've compared to Cliff Averill from just a you know skill set standpoint. Like he's just a bullet off the ball. He's an edge guy. Having a Leonard Williams inside shortens the edge. It's not a, an abstract concept. Having a guy who plays with power inside shortens the edge for edge rushers. So your pass rush is like a force a force multiplier and in the run game because you got San Francisco twice in like a month span coming up. These are going to be big games when it comes to home field advantage. They could be the difference between a Super Bowl and nothing for the Seahawks. Because if you get home field advantage, they're as good as anybody. The Seahawks, if they want to stop that run game, and they already know this because they have a good run defense, penetration kills wide zone. And penetration with a guy who, he's not just a runaround guy, he's not just a fucking backdoor guy. Leonard Williams is a big man who can set the edge from a three technique. I mean, watch his tape. There are plenty of plays where he's got that guard four yards in the backfield, and the edge is set. So like, when you're playing San Francisco, we talk all the time about making moves to combat people in your division. I think this is like, it's good for you in general, but it also helps you get that much closer to being the best team in the NFC or the NFC West at least. So I don't think they're there, but if they have home field advantage, they're fucking scary and they have to be having that conversation, at least to win the West. It's good for the Giants too, at least they're self-aware enough to know what they are. And unlike maybe the Raiders, they're a team that's willing to spend $10 million to help themselves acquire capital. Yeah, and if I were the Giants, I would have absolutely shipped Saquon. It's easy for me to say. I don't know what, what you could have gotten for him. It sounded like it was a non-starter with the owner. I think the guy's awesome. The guy deserves to be somewhere else. Um, I also think like you're not going to be able to get that sort of stuff for him down the line. Um, now, he's only on a, a short deal. But like I don't know what's going to happen with that. So Giants, credit to them for at least selling a big defensive piece. Uh, and they have plenty of them on defense. Not plenty of them, but you've got a bona fide dog inside. You have a guy, Kayvon Thibodeau is second in the league in sacks right now, dude. Okay, Nolan? What? You could say it. <laughs> He's passing. We think that might be a little bit of an aberration, but the guy's fucking playing well. Okay, like you look up at the top of the list and I open it up, I was like, Kayvon's got eight and a half. Had three this weekend, good for him. Good for the Giants, good for the Seahawks. That's all the trades today. So now for Macon uh, giving his hello and some Stanford Steve. This podcast is brought to you by Cash App, the all-in-one app for spending, sending, and setting easy-to-track savings goals. 
With multiple tools for saving, spending, and sending, Cash App is an all-in-one way to stay in control of your money. And Cash App has something very special for you. When you pay with the Cash App Visa card, you'll automatically enter for a chance to win a five-star VIP trip to Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. It's like catching a touchdown in the NFL without actually having to get hit. That's how you're gonna feel. The best part is, the more times you pay between October 16th and November 9th, the more automatic entries you get for a chance to win. So whether you're buying yourself a lucky jersey or loading up on game day snacks, make the right play and pay with your Cash App Visa card. And who knows, you could find yourself at Super Bowl 58, thanks to Visa. No purchase necessary to enter or win. Open to U.S. residents 21 and up, ends 11-9-23. For complete rules, visit cash.app slash exclusives slash football dreams 2023. That's cash.app slash exclusives slash football dreams 2023. Whatever you're looking forward to this football season, there's one thing that pairs well with every great moment, and that is an ice-cold Miller Light. Whether you're at the stadium, playing fantasy football, or watching the game at home, or at the bar, Miller Lite is here to make your football season taste like Miller time. From kickoff to the clock runs out, you can't go wrong with the Miller Lite in your hand. It's the only light beer with a taste worthy of our national obsession. Because what's the point of having beer if it doesn't taste like beer? I go to Dirty Nelly's every weekend. Sometimes I'm prepping for the show at the bar on Saturday night watching a little college football, getting ready to lay out our Miller Lite moments. Uh, I like to have an ice cold Miller Lite right next to me. And the folks at Dirty Nelly's, they know when I get there to have my ice cold Miller Lite. It's got only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounce serving with a smooth taste and a crisp, clean finish. You get the taste you crave without the calories. So this season, crack open a light beer that hits your taste buds so hard you feel it in your heart. Make it Miller time all season long. Get Miller Lite delivered right to your door. Visit MillerLite.com slash GreenLight. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs for 12 ounces. Game day is the perfect pizza day. So make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day. Order online during our pizza pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, to have your NFL game day covered. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. It's a pizza pizza win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, order your Little Caesars, and enjoy during the games. Auburn Hills, Michigan. Hello. Good call. Good call. Steve was there. Wow. Steve was there. Yeah. Steve, how was Detroit? Uh, first time being outside uh, in Detroit. Usually it's just a stop for at the old airport, Delta Terminal, and get on the run to the next plane and go. But I was actually fired up to see uh, Ford Field just because – the excitement level, where they're at, and like literally walking in, security guys are like, "What do you think tonight? What do you think tonight?" I'm like, "What do I think tonight? This is wow. This is there. This is them, real life Lions fans. Mm-hmm. Don't know many, but they are scarred from years of sucking, and it's 
it's really interesting to see. Scott and I were talking about on the plane home. Like, they don't know what to do. Like, they're good. And, like, they, like chance or cr- even crowd noise, Like I, I really think they're just so humbled from previous fe- years that they're, they're afraid to celebrate. And I got news for them. Let it all out, man. This, this, this team's legit. As banged up as they were last night and walking around the field, um, seeing uh, Max Crosby pregame, we could, that's a whole other yeah, conversation. Dude. God, that guy's awesome. Um, the rookie, Wilson, holy moly, is he huge? He's Not huge. sure yeah, they, how good he is. Don't know yet. Um, but, like, uh, had a chance to um, establish contact with Frank Ragnow years ago. Uh, when his dad passed and reached out when Bielema was the coach at Arkansas. So we've, we've talked for a long time, first time to get him talking. He's in street clothes, and he's you know he's banged up. There are other uh, linemen's banged up. They don't have Montgomery. And you just see, again, Chris, we've talked about it forever. This, this team is a mentality and a mindset and a representation of their head coach. By, any, by, by all means necessary, we're going to get the job done. Now, on the other side, that team, I think, is trending to one of the worst Ooh. teams in the league. Uh, they don't do one thing well besides Max Crosby lining up. And it's when, when you're in that situation and you have a vulnerable Detroit team and you can't do anything uh, to take advantage of it, um, it's a credit to Detroit. Uh, they got game breakers. Jameer Gibbs came on after. Impressive dude. I, I thought it was really telling when he said it was frustrating, you know, being a guy for his whole life and then getting to the league and, and not getting that chance. And now he gets the opportunity in week eight on the biggest stage, and he does that. Like, that's that's just the credit. I mean, this organization, they, you see what they drafted. You see what the output of the rookies are, uh, their top four picks this year. Like, that is that is good stuff. And I thought Aikman was great talking about being a part of Dallas's rebuild, and he feels like, you know, you got pieces here. You got you got a stud tackle. You know, you got skill guys all over the place. You got a, a a defensive end that you took with your first pick. Um, I I just think it's it's phenomenal to see. And honestly, those people don't know what to do. And I'm just just let it all out, man. Enjoy it. Embrace the journey. You're on a bye. Dan said after the game, life is good. Six and two going into a bye. Uh, couldn't be happier for him. Uh, it was really really cool. I like that stadium too. Well, pretty cool. Listen. The- First thing that jumps out at me is I was on the wrong side of this, wrong side, Chris, uh, Chase Long, whatever you want to call me. But you said the Lions were banged up. Vegas is missing D- Divine Diablo. Okay, mm-hmm. like so they were playing shorthanded too. Anyways, yep. I just I I, I want to say this: Ford Field, twenty-two years, no no playoff games. They're mm-hmm. gonna host a playoff game, and mm-hmm. we talked a lot on this show about. Um, the need for them to host more than one playoff games. And when you look at the rest of their schedule, it's pretty fucking, it's pretty good. I mean, for, for, for the lions, uh, bears twice, Vikings twice, Mm -hmm. Broncos, chargers, Packers, saints, and Cowboys. So, you know, like the one thing about this team that's interesting to me is they have blown out the bad teams that they have played, you know, five or six of their wins or whatever it is, double digit wins. Uh, you have the Kansas City win in your back pocket. If you don't have that win, I think a lot of people are are doubting them even more than they are right now. But I think this is a team that if they play at home and they're healthy, they are scary because yeah. their floor is high. Uh, even though we looked at the Baltimore game, that's a mm-hmm. that's a road contest outdoors, that sort of thing. They didn't have David Montgomery. If they're playing at home, I think their floor is high enough that they can go toe-to-toe with almost anybody. I still think Jared Goff has to play a little bit better in spots. Yep. 
Okay, like that's not taking anything away from Jared Goff. Big Jared Goff fan. Last night they asked Aikman, what can Jared Goff be for this team? And Aikman took a big second and was like, uh, everything, you know? <laughs> uh, but, but the elephant in the room is that guy's got to play his best ball for them to win a championship. And, and, and that's a big one. And that's when, when you talk about like home field advantage. We're not making these concerns up about Jared. I mean, like outside in the elements, uh, that's not where he plays his best ball. Come January, I think Ford Field would be a great place. And I was watching the game last night, and Meg was like, these fucking Detroit people are crazy. Is, is it like Philly? And it's funny. They do have that edge to them. They do have that diehard kind of mentality. But the Michigan people have a different kind of edge. It's hard to describe. It's also Halloween. Yeah, it's also Halloween for sure. So we saw more costumes than usual. But the yeah. Michigan edge is different than the Philly edge. They are similar fan bases in that, you know, they're going to die hard for that team. They're very yeah. passionate, blue collar, the whole city, the whole thing. But I think that because of what they've been through, the personality is a little different. And I'm glad you got to go see that in person. Yeah, if. First, I think security getting in the building. I think it was Batman uh, mm. checking us in. Uh, and then you go through, and uh, a lot of cigarette smokers outside. Yeah, Don't, no question. Uh, where our trucks were, I, I didn't realize we were in uh, Dart City. Cigarette heaven. Dart City. But um, no, it's, it's really weird because, you know, our security guys were telling us, you know, Arrowhead only has one tunnel. Uh, they name another one, and all these new stadiums, you have multiple tunnels, so you have you know media going one way, locker rooms one way. We literally walked through the crowd to get down to the field because of where our trucks were outside the dome and the tunnel being all the way on the other side where the locker rooms were. And you go through this like little gate, and you see you know they let the fans down on the field if you have the right passes uh, pregame. So we're walking down, and it gets like there's this little fence in the in the rotunda, and then you go around that. So it's kind of like dark. It's by the bathrooms. And I literally got the shit scared, scared out of me. When I turned the corner, it's just this guy in a Lions jersey hat. But he had the Michael Myers mask on. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell is that? And this is like, uh, I don't know, 7 o'clock. Like, it's an hour before a kick. And I'm just like, oh, I Do was I want to go down this hallway? Uh, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, this is the only way. We got to go down this way. Yeah. Uh, so it was, yeah, they, it was full force. I mean, the lion the lion heads, you know, Chris, you had the dog, the dog mask forever. They put on uh, full lion heads. Yeah. Like, I can't. Like, dudes are just dripping Multiples. in sweat when they yeah. take it off to pound their tall boy in Miller Lite like it's <laughs> it was a scene but again I, I just I could see it in their faces that they've they've gotten ahead of their their thoughts and their feelings on a couple wins in past years of all this misery uh you know Barry Sanders is on the show just an absolute legend and to think that building as you said never hosted a playoff game uh that's going to change this year and uh, I couldn't be happier for him. Uh, that 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 is, that's an all timer fan base that I haven't seen have success in my life. Um, you know, especially since Barry. Well, that, was, that was the only blip. It's crazy the power vacuum that exists when Aaron Rodgers leaves. And I know Detroit was making steps and beat that team last year and that sort of thing. But like, you know, you get the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay; they're awful. Um, Chicago's got their issues. Obviously, that's not a good football team. And Justin Fields hurt. And then Kirk Cousins tears his ACL last week, and it's like it's all laid out there for you. Achilles, sorry. He'll be back in a few weeks, according to Kyle and and Nate, on Monday because they saw Aaron Rodgers throwing 
Are they, can we stop with this? I mean, like, no, people can't. They can't. They can't. It's just like, oh, well, he's going to be back. It's pretty impressive. He's throwing a ball on the sideline. Well, no quarterback who ever tore his Achilles took the time every week to go throw on the sideline. So, of course, it's the first for you. But I, I, the, the Lions, what impressed me about them this game is two weeks ago, they had a lead in mm-hmm. Tampa, and they threw the ball 40-something times. And you're like, where's this run game? You have to have a second layer to it with Montgomery out. And I don't think the plan for them was to – to give Gibbs the ball 30 times at this point in the season. I think this was a like, let's roll him out as the season goes on. And if he has to be a feature back, we make him a feature back. But he really was a feature back last night. Yep. And everything they did was inside run. And you know, Gibbs bounced it a couple times, and that's where he can be really dangerous. But yes. I thought that was like a telling sign that not only they believe in him to be that feature back, take a full game's workload, but also run it into the teeth of the defense constantly. And I think what's good about him is he's a smaller guy. You look at him, you think a guy you split out, a guy you hit the perimeter with, but he's downhill. I mean, he he does not take much time in the backfield before he hits a hole. That touchdown, mm. the, the, the spot that he fit his body into was about yeah. the size of you crack a door open. That's where he fit. And then the bounce. Yeah, you know, in to the get speed, lateral so. and then get vertical is he jump cut into that hole, yeah. and the hole's about this big. So <laughs> I'm really impressed with Gibbs. I think all you know, rock fights or or not rock fights, these games on Thursday night or Monday night, we complain about them, but they all give us something. You yep. tell me any game last year. Somebody last night I tweeted this last night. Somebody was like, "Okay, do do Broncos Colts." That was the Baron Browning game. It was also so ugly I couldn't look away. Every one of these primetime games gives us something. I'll always remember this is the Gibbs game. But I think for the Lions, you know, they had trouble in the red zone without Montgomery. Last, you know, the last game I'm talking about in Tampa Bay, but also last night, right? Goal to go three times, three field goals. I mean, they have to fix that. It can't just be, oh, well, Montgomery's out because guess what? These things happen. So uh, I think maybe you go sign the girl that, that, that pulled Montgomery into the stands. Or, or the pull uh, Gibbs, Gibbs in, the stands. yeah, yeah, I that mean, was impressive. She's strong, yeah. I mean, really strong. Um, I, I think it's great for Detroit. And on the other side of things, uh, and one thing I want to mention with Detroit is Aline McNeil, who sometimes when Ooh. a player who people don't pay a lot of attention to has a big game in in prime time, it's like a coming out party. And anybody who's watched the Lions all year knows that like Hutchinson gets a lot of credit, but this guy is. Their second best dude. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying in total because I think Brian Branch is a great player and all that stuff, and they've got some good players in the back end. But Ali McNeil up front is a huge deal, and he had a great game. I thought Aaron Glenn called a great game. But on the other side of it, the Raiders are trash. And this time of year, it sucks because, well, it doesn't have to suck. We're going to talk about locks in a little bit and that sort of thing. But the last two primetime games I've bet, I've taken dogs catching a ton of points. Mistakes. This is a time of year where where teams pull away, and you know if you can spot these bad teams um, before people get keen to it, you can make some money. That's 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 advice I'd give you uh, Monday morning quarterbacking. But like the Raiders are cooked, man. Jimmy G, oh. the, the most aggressive thing they did, and I was on the wrong side of this thing, you know, because you could take all this red zone stuff away, and and Detroit wins this thing going away. But in the circumstance of the game. There's the cover 
on that that deep ball to Devontae Adams. Devontae could have oh, a 95-yard touchdown twice. and a 70-yard touchdown. Yeah. I mean, and this is the most aggressive thing you did last offseason as a team was bring in Jimmy G. You know, so, like, the, it doesn't feel like they're trying to win from a roster standpoint. Like you said, Max Crosby is it defensively for That's them. It. And I want to make this point. He might be, and pay attention to the words I use because people love to extrapolate and they don't pay attention. Disruptive. He might be the most disruptive guy in the NFL down in and down out. He had eight tackles last night. There are multiple TFLs where he's unblocked. And so, yeah, you're kind of like their layups, but I've tried to make those layups. For 11 years, I tried to make those layups. They are <laughs> tough layups to make. You have to have the pre-snap awareness, but then the explosiveness and the playmaking ability that I think really separates him in the run game is he can make plays in the run game, like that chase down play, like, mm -hmm. like dropping the reverse for six yards. And everything he does in pass rush, and he does all this with the, with the least help around him. You know, name your favorite defensive player in the league. There's nobody that has less help than Max Crosby. And so I, as we talk about defensive player of the year and that sort of thing, I don't know if he'll have the numbers and I don't know if he's in the, on the team or in the market, but this guy is as good as anybody at affecting a football game and he does it alone. So, and without getting a blow. Without getting a blow. He, I, I said this last night, I texted you. He, it's like he's, he's from 2005. And I mean that to say like, you know, there's guys that are throwbacks and you're like, yeah, they're from the 70s, they're from the 80s. I feel like this guy's got all the the shit to him that a post 2000s NFL player has, but he's got that old CBA attitude. He's Freeney. 80 snaps a game. Not, Strahan. Yeah. Jason Taylor. Something. Okay. But he's a dog. He's a dog. He doesn't come off the field. He's a throwback, um, but he's built for the modern game, and I just love him. So hats off to him, and hats off to really that defense for hanging in there because yes. you know, that was tough, and they were going to run the ball 40 times, and they hung in there for a while, but – I, I got to wonder what Tom Brady's advice is because he's like an advisor to Mark Davis, right? Oh. And an advisor to uh, Josh McDaniel, and he's got to go in or hop on a conference call this week and be like, yeah, you want to bench that guy, Jimmy G. You know, like that's his buddy and everything, but I, I don't see where this is going, and I've got a lot of respect for Jimmy. It's like that first, that first fucking series, he's got a bad back, he's running the sticks, he puts his back into the guy yeah. at the sticks, and he's trying to get – he's scratching and clawing. I have so much respect for Jimmy, uh, but I just don't think he's it right now for them. And I don't know who is it or what they're trying to do. So the Raiders, I feel for you. Worst team in the league? I don't want to overreact. Um, okay. Good call. Listen, Good call. They, they play the they yeah, play the, the, the Giants at home next week. Yeah. They play the Giants uh, at home, and then they play the Jets in prime time two weeks from now. What's the total on that game? Oh, this is tough. Tough if you're Giants, Raiders. Raiders is thirty-seven and a half. Yeah, well, it might be so lower. Be Jets, prime time. Jets is going to be like thirty-four and a half. Yep, depending on what happens uh, next year. And when we talk about um, you know, like right now as we're recording because we have Halloween shit. Yep. We're all dads. Um, it's 1240 uh, in the afternoon. So a lot's going to happen between, or not, between now and 4 o'clock. Steve and I were talking about this before he got on. But like year to year, it just depends. Like sometimes you think a bunch of things are going to happen and they don't. But I was looking back at some of the last, last year's trades around the deadline and that sort of thing. First off, I want to ask you guys this. This came from Reddit. This is uh, about the Deshaun uh -oh. Watson trade. 24 games into an 85-game contract. It's 
five-year deal, 230. Everybody knows the details. They gave up three ones, a third, two fours. Uh, they've got five wins with Watson on the field. Nine of 10 of those, actually eight of 10 of those, uh, he's below le- league average um, in, in uh, a lot of the metrics that you want to look at. When you look at quarterbacks, so he's playing below average in most of those games. The return on investment's been five wins. Before the, before the end of this, this contract, are we going to be, be able to say with certainty it's the worst trade in, the, in NFL history? I sure think so. As a Broncos fan, yes. <laughs> yeah, you like that. I, it's just like considering when the Texans are three and four. Yes, yes, and the Texans have been getting fleeced for years. I mean, they gave up D Hop and woke up the next day without a first round pick. It's like so. I I I look at I look at this trade and I just say, considering the context of the franchise and what they've been after for what feels like thirty years, you know, a quarterback that you know we can trade in our jersey with all the names on it and just buy this quarterback's jersey. Not only do you roll the dice on a guy with a bunch of cases on his head and civil cases and that sort of thing. So from a moral standpoint, it's kind of like icky. But it's football. It's, it's icky as fuck on the field too. I mean, this, this might be the worst one in history before it's all said and done. Now, he could remember how to play football down the stretch here, get healthy. He could do that next year. He could do that the year after that. But as it sits right now, if this trend continues, I can't think of a worse trade. Five wins, six picks. It's wild. Um, All of it fully guaranteed. Now, a little update on Derrick Henry. This is interesting because we talked about this a lot last week, Steve. We said Mm -hmm. Henry to Baltimore. You know, not the only one saying it, but it would have been great. It still could happen. Um, This is from Cole Jackson on Twitter. You know, this is he's quote tweeting. Schefter. You're all over the internet today, man. I am on the internet. Yeah. It's trade day. Schefter said yesterday that the uh, potential for a deal diminished because they didn't hit the deadline to restructure his deal. Uh, I guess he's got five five left on his deal. Evidently, there was a deal in place. This, according to Cole Jackson, he's a freelance Baltimore. It's hard with these blue checks now. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's who. But evidently, there was a deal in place, but it was vetoed by the owner. And Amy Adams denies this claim. But it kind of makes you wonder if that's really what's going on there. I know they were asking a lot for him, it sounds like. But these owners got to get out of the fucking way if that's the case. And it's the same thing in New York. I felt like Saquon was never even on the table because Mara uh, has a thing for him. You know, like you love the guy. You're going to get him killed. And he's going to play for nothing in New York. So I just, I don't know what you make of that, Steve. But I still feel like... If you want to trade Henry, now's the last opportunity you have to get something good for him. Yeah, and then you come out in the great uniforms and Will Levis plays the game of his life, and it's like, oh, wait, maybe we do have Isn't a chance. And you're looking around the conference. Uh, yeah, I I, I I look at the the situation, right, and, and that's the problem in this league is the situation feels like it changes every three to four days. You just went, We just went through the – the commander's, you know, lack of hope and how how promising it was. So for I mean, you've been on this, uh, you know, as as the situation, the timing of it all. If not now, when? I agree. Yeah. I I, I don't I don't see much in in the way you you look at uh what you have moving forward. There's too much that is out of your control. 
You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. already behind the eight ball with your record. So, therefore, now you're relying on teams to lose and that, and you're not even confident in your own self uh, with the schedule you have moving forward. So, I, I'm in agreement. If not now, when? Uh, just let it go. This is Where, it. I know we uh, off-season or in-season trade, but like now with the way he's playing, where's the A.J. Brown trade? Yeah, dude. I I mean, good also, Lord. Also, <laughs> Tennessee fucking ships A.J. Brown away for nothing, and now I, I know you don't want to repeat the mistake, but this is the wrong guy to try not to repeat the mistake with. I mean, exactly. like, this is the situation. Yep. You do ship a great player. But then Baltimore goes and wins a Super Bowl with Derrick Henry, and it's going to be A.J. Brown be part a, two. Exactly. And you worry about your own legacy. You worry about the legacy, so it's tricky and that sort of thing. And if you're Derrick Henry, i got to feel for the guy because he'll never say it, but, and no. maybe he wants to be a lifetime Titan and that sort of thing, and he's built such a, a great legacy in that city, and he's synonymous with the franchise. I can't think of too many guys who are more synonymous with that franchise than Derrick Henry. I mean, when you look up, it's Eddie George, it's, it's McNair, it's, it's, um, it's, it's Derrick Henry, it's guys like that. Um, but I got to feel like he wants to be somewhere else. And that's just a guess. You know, like, and he's got to sit there today, and maybe he knows what's being done on the phone, and, and, but it's got to be a long day for him and a long weekend going in. Sunday, suiting up, playing, worried about getting hurt, worried about that. It's just crazy what goes on this time of year. And as promised, last year's trades, okay, I want to revisit a couple of them because this is kind of funny. Because when they grade these trades in the beginning, it's always like, it's a fucking toss-up. Bears have Claypool? That's exactly what Justin Fields needs. Exactly. And when we talk about the the (laughs) Bears making a trade that they hope works out in their favor, we talked about Claypool – and I liked the trade when it happened, hand up. I was like, oh, yeah, get this guy a weapon. I buy guys low, like I'm with that. But a two for him turned into Joey Porter Jr. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's tough. So, like, here's one last year that that the Lions got shit on for the Hawkinson trade. This is the best one. This is maybe the best one. Because they don't have to pay him. And they get a... Um, they they get a, a 23 second round pick and a 24 conditional fourth rounder. You know who they picked in the in the second round in 2023? Well, with their own pick, Sam Laporta, and, and then with this one, Brian Branch. Brian Branch. So, like, you got your tight end anyways, and then you go get a real plus on defense. Incredible. I mean, and you, we're not even talking about what Brad Holmes and Dan did in the first round, you know, which was the guy last night who they just had stashed. Yeah, and ran for like 160 in a game uh, that they probably don't win if he's not on the field. That's another thing about the Lions last night. Like somebody asked me how I feel about the Lions. I told you everything I told you earlier in the in the in in the show, and somebody who's a little bit more cynical said they lose to a good team tonight. Like that. That's yeah. like, and that's probably true. Mm-hmm. But when you have Sam Laporta, who caught six seven balls last night, you got Gibbs. You got all these guys that stepped up with other guys down. Um, it speaks to the depth and what they've been able to do in the draft and that sort of thing. So that was a big one that got shit on right off the bat. But I think uh, it's a win for the Lions. And, and you know, like, I'm looking at the Bradley Chubb trade as well because this was one that, like, the Dolphins felt like contenders. They, they were, they are. Chubb uh, and a fourth rounder in 24 to the Dolphins for Edmonds and a 2023 first round pick. I, the Dolphins lost this trade. Is there any, I, you know, 
Mm-hmm. I I like Bradley Chubb a lot. I I really enjoy the guy watching him play. He's physical, all that stuff. But like when you go ship that kind of capital, he better be like an elite pass rusher. And that's a tough deal. And now they've been able to survive that because they have other guys that have played. I mean, I talk about the importance of Jalen Phillips. I mean, they nailed that. <laughs> He's such a good player. Yeah. And Chubb's a good compliment to him, but they gave up a lot to go get the guy. And when they when they traded for him, I think he was averaging two pressures a game at that point. So they kind of bought the guy low, and it's just kind of stayed the way it is. Um, so that was another interesting one from last year. I don't remember. That happened at the deadline? Yeah. It, it did. Yeah. And then the Broncos unloaded that pick for Sean Payton. And it turns into Sean Payton. Right. So if you like Sean Payton and you think an NFL head coach is, is important, you know, they basically got Sean Payton for Bradley Chubb. We actually had <laughs> Chubb booked for the show that day. And yep. then he got traded. He got traded. Yeah. And again, like like Bradley Chubb, I always talked him up on this show, but like when you're talking about trades, we're just talking about value. Okay, so I'm not gonna hold that against the guy. He is who he is and he's a good player. Uh but that's a lot. And so I look at that one. I look at Ridley to the Jags. I love this. I love that the Jags just, it's its a great move. It's paid off, even if it's been inconsistent this year. Like, they're definitely better. Um, and I, I project through the year what they're going to look like in January. They're definitely better than they were last January with him on the team. And Ridley goes to the Jags for a 2023 conditional fifth and a 2024 conditional second. That's a low second-round pick. So, um, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like the, the Falcons are making out like bandits on this trade. And I think, no, I think Jacksonville made a great move here. So I would grade that one, whatever, A plus, A minus, something like that. The McCaffrey trade's interesting because really you're looking at what they got for him. They're all on the team now, right? Pretty much. Mingo, DJ Johnson, Chandler, Chandler Zavala. So, Nolan, you can speak to this better than I can, but how have these guys been doing? Uh, Zavala has played some in spots um, coming along. Mingo is exciting, but um, I think for them it made sense. It made sense for the Niners to to take McCaffrey, obviously. He's kind of the, 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 the straw that stirs the drink in that offense. It's crazy to give up a ton for a running back and still win in today's NFL. I mean, it's like that system. That's that, that's the system that'll do. That's it. the system that'll do it. And we always talk about like trading for a running back. Either you're a contender, you need one more piece, or it's got to be a system. And um, and I think they won that trade. The last one, make I want you to tell me how you feel. Robbie about this. chosen. Robbie chosen. That's kind of a wild one to think somebody went out and got him. I know it was just like a seven. The Cardinals for a six and a seven. Six and a seven. Hey, one reception this year for sixty-eight yards and a touchdown. That's crazy. Yeah, his slugging percentage is, is yeah. up there. J- the Tony trade. See ya. It's so tough to fucking, you're happy, right? Yeah. But so are the Chiefs, because I think if they don't have Tony, they don't win a Super Bowl. And it's the most confounding thing, because the fuck, they can't get anything out of the guy. And I've been so into his upside. But when you, when you hear about the, the, kind of, the kind of prep guy he is, the kind of guy he is in the building, like that's the, the double-edged sword. And I don't think he's talented enough to outweigh those, those negatives. But they kind of get a ring out of that that move, so mm-hmm. that's a rare win-win. A year later, um, 
It's just interesting. There's yeah. a few teams in history that have added like a small piece that put them in the Super Bowl. Your win with the Pats, you got Van Noy from the Lions to fill out that defense. That was a big one. And then your dad's Super Bowl with the Raiders, they got Mike Haynes for just a can full of picks, who was a Hall of Fame corner. Oh, wow. And then, you know, like also, you, I alluded to this the other day, but the year we won the Super Bowl with Philly, and a lot of the reason I think maybe Howie might be active today to grab a Dalvin Cook type guy. We'll see. You probably heard it in the open because I record the open later today uh, when all the trades come in. But like Dalvin Cook would be a nice piece. How he added Jay Ajayi um, our Super Bowl year. Right. You know, it was like, oh, we got LeGarrette Le Blunt. We have Corey Clement. Why add another running back? It's good to have a stable. So um, we'll see what happens the rest of the day. I hate buying tickets. I've been playing my whole life. Never had to worry about buying tickets. The ticket part is stressful. The game's stressful. The ticket part's really stressful. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. And with the Game Time app, it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. I'm trying to see the monster trucks for my kids or Willie Nelson for me and my kids. I can find it all in the Game Time app. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has the deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code GREENLIGHT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code GREENLIGHT for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because we get you one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates. Indeed does the hard work for you. Indeed shows you candidates whose resumes, on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Please, Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Steve. Yes. Let's talk about college football. Let's do it. I'm hearing this is just an amazing weekend. Uh, it's pretty. I, I NFL slate very good too. That's it. but yes. Yeah. This we got. We have twelve Power Five matchups between winning teams, fourteen overall in the FBS level. And when you get to this stretch, obviously you look down and and 
you you especially, Chris, always want good games, mm-hmm. good matchups. Yes, I do. You need you need a little buy-in. You need a little reason to sit down and, On a Saturday. and turn Mario Kart off the big screen and tell the boys <laughs> to sit down and let's watch some ball. Well, Waylon's really into college football, and he's also really into being on the other side. Like, any game that I'm on, he's asking me who I'm pulling for. Who, he goes, he goes uh, I forget what he, what he says. Uh, who'd, you, who'd you... It's not the word bet. It's like a different word. He, he doesn't quite understand it. I was explaining who'd lines you favor? last night. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then he just takes the other side. You know, it's, oh. it's fucking... He, yeah. So, That's a real easy way to find your way up to your room, Whalen. Exactly, dude. Before we get into the preview, how was Salt Lake City? You get drunk? Yeah, did you get drunk? No, there's, you can't in Utah. It's impossible. Like, you really can't? No. What do you mean? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, it's, what's it, it like? Nah, yes. He was plastered. He's it's, not, yeah, it's, it's, you ha- it's one of those places you have to actually experience, right? I mean, when you fly in there, the mountains are right there. It's absolutely gorgeous. And... The thing that's cool about Utah, Salt Lake City, is airport's 10 minutes from the city, and you're in a big city, you know? You walk around, you got your big steakhouses, you got your Morton's, you got your Capitol Grill, you got your Cheesecake Factory. Shout out to the beer bar. Ruth Chris? Ruth Chris, I believe, is there, Walk too. Walk City. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> off in the distance, you see Park City, you see the mountains. Like I, Again, it's absolutely gorgeous. I have not vacationed there. Uh, I'm not a skier. But obviously now everybody just saying, yeah, go to go to Colorado, go to Breck, and go to Aspen. You know, we'll keep our little Utah to ourselves. Uh, but it, it's just really cool. Um, and you know, you got the Jazz and and the Utes. Those are the only shows in town. And Rice Eccles uh, is is really really good. Now, it wasn't good after Oregon went up seven nothing, but before that, uh, it was it was ready to pop. Game day was absolutely incredible. Um, we were down like on this this uh rolling lawn and being low all you see when you look into the crowd is the signs and everybody up front so when we went back to do the field goal with Pat and, and Herbie that you really got a sense of how many people were there like we just kept walking and walking and you're going through people and it was just really cool like they brought it i mean it was i think it was 29 degrees when i went out there for my first sports center hit with our guy Randy Scott um, and you know, the other thing is like sunrise, whatever it is, seven twelve. that thing don't get over those mountains for like an hour. Right. So you can feel, you yeah. see, you know, the, the, the skyline, you're like, come on, man, we, yeah. we need that sun up here. Cause your feet start freezing, but, uh, not fun as hell. Uh, blown away, really, really impressed with Oregon and what they've looked like since that loss to Washington and what Washington has done since beating Oregon. So, when I move that and fast forward to the rankings, I think there's a couple things to look out for that are that are super interesting, and that's does Georgia's past reflect their ranking in this first one, meaning are we still have this image of back-to-back national championships, and, and, and do they get credit for it? Or are we going resume-based and looking at the teams that have multiple ranked wins like an Ohio State and like a Florida State, and are they ranked ahead of Georgia and Michigan? I think they should be, but I don't think they will be. And the other thing is how are the one-loss ranked teams now? Because when you look at the one-losses, 
you know, Oregon with the loss to Washington, Texas with the loss to Oklahoma, Oklahoma with the loss to Kansas, Bama with the loss to Texas. How are we going to stack those people up and can they make it up? Because now I think the Big 12's in trouble. If everybody runs the table, if Oregon runs the table, they're going to the playoff. If Texas or Oklahoma do, I'm not so sure now because you got to figure one of the Big Ten's getting in. You got to figure the SEC's getting in. And Florida State, if they run it, like one of them's getting left out. And now that we've played more games and we're in the conference play, I think the Big 12 is in the most uh, dangerous spot of not making the playoff because of how what's panned out and what's ahead. Steve, have you tried that that field goal? That kid was getting clowned this week, but he nearly made it. He did. He did. The second one hit the middle of the stanchion. Uh, what mm. do you call the the, the post? Yeah, the, when it's, the, when it's the one base? out of the ground, the one pull out of the ground, the base, it's right in the middle, the base, the base. Yeah, he hit it dead, dead in the middle of the base, like he hit the base. Have you tried that kick? I have not tried it for fear of missing it, falling. Yeah, like that turf is like frozen, and I just know with sneakers, um, it's it's a no-win situation. But it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the excitement it brings, the energy. The amount of people that it's kind of funny that are rooting against the kick and then the people that are rooting for the kick, you'd be surprised how many people are like, no chance, no way. Um, But it's, it's been a a, a ton of fun. Uh, And yeah, it was, he was getting clowned. He did have cowboy boots on to start the show Mm -hmm. and, and trade it out. So I thought that was a smart move. So um, yeah, it's, we'll see, we'll see what uh, Tuscaloosa brings. We did not do the field goal. On the on on the quad at Alabama last time, so this will be the first time there. So, so hoping to. Ryan Rosillo invited me to Tuscaloosa. Okay, now uh-huh. I don't have enough money to get down there after this past <laughs> weekend, but if I were to get down there, I feel like I want to get down there for a day game so you can go out afterwards. Seven forty-five. That game's going to finish about eleven fifteen. What time do the bars close in Tuscaloosa? Six forty-five local because we're on Central Time. Oh God, that's a big that's a big difference. And I believe we turn the clocks back. Man, I could bet the under Thursday night, big, and then get down there. There you go. We do turn the clocks back. We turn the yeah. We turn the clocks back. It's another hour. So like bar. two extra Damn, hours. Dude. That I makes it. That gets you a full too. day on the quad, which is absolutely spectacular. You factor in you got LSU coming to town. That's a whole nother level that the the quad will be raised to and in that stadium those two teams I I really find it um fascinating how Alabama fans have this this stature this arrogance and when you know their rivals Auburn obviously but they they won't admit it but they despise LSU yeah like they they just the way LSU goes about it there's more bravado flashier spoken they're yeah they're more fun too. They are. That, I, well, I, I can't I mean, say that for sure about Bama people because I haven't been down there. But I, when I've gone to a Sugar Bowl, like yeah. you just hang around and eventually you run into some LSU fans and they kind of adopt you the whole weekend and just take you around and get you drunk and and act like you're one of theirs. I love the LSU people. Yeah, it, there, there's nothing better. So then, like them, the fact that they're invading their town uh, is is really spectacular. And when you go back and look, a couple. Uh, you know, obviously you got the Burrow game in 19, and in 21, Coach O had no reason to be in that game, and they gave Alabama all they could. Um, so when you factor this in, 
the way Coach Saban is, the way he has treats this LSU game, and LSU coming in with Brian Kelly, who's you know never afraid uh, to to talk about how confident he is in his team. You have Jaden Daniels, who I believe is the Heisman front runner right now, and then you have Alabama, who's back to the defensive mindset. I think it makes for a fantastic matchup. I do think Alabama has the goods to slow down uh, LSU. And I think LSU's defense is is not up to par, and, and the struggles that Milrow has had, uh, I believe Alabama's gotten better and better offensively. So I, I like Alabama in the game right now. How about Missouri Georgia fifteen and a uh-huh. half uh, in Athens, fifty four and a half is the total. Where do you lean? I saw this posted on my flight home Saturday night at eighteen and a half, and I took Missouri. Uh, I just think it's too much. Now, last year, Missouri had Georgia in Columbia. Like, they had him, and, and, and Stetson Bennett pulled one out of his hat, and they got the run game going late, and they got out of there with a with a must win. Um, but now you look at the matchup, and, and all credit to Georgia, they – I mean, they are ascending at the right time. They've had a bunch of guys out. We know that Bowers is out. But Carson Beck is a guy uh, that that's shown that he deserves this opportunity. In this day and age of guys sitting out and, and looking to go elsewhere, I mean, the kids stuck it out. I give him all the credit in the world. And now he's got Lad McConkey back. Ra-Ra's back healthy. Uh, he does have Delp at tight end who's, you know, a, a, a not – you know, a, a shell of, of Brock Bowers, but he's still a threat to go vertical. Uh, they get the running back back. They should have Mims, the left tackle back, who's a who's a possible first rounder in the NFL. So I looked at Georgia before last week. So they had Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, and at Tennessee. One of those games is going to be a fight, and I just can't figure out which one it's going to be. I would be willing to bet it's going to be this one. Um the the issue I have is is Missouri being able to get to Beck. They're pretty good on the back end, but you saw them struggle against LSU not being able to get to the quarterback, and that's and that a lot of that had to do with Jaden Daniels' elusiveness. And Beck's not that kind of guy, so that that's the matchup is what can Missouri do to not let guys get behind them, keep everything in front. You got to tackle. I mean, you saw Lad McConkey with the catch and run last week thing about Georgia, they, they, they put so much pressure on you with the horizontal running game and then the guy's ability to get vertical. You got They create so much space with that system. You've got to be able to tackle. Uh, I, I believe Missouri has the goods to hang around for the game, so I like Missouri plus the points. Missouri was up 39-35 on LSU with five minutes to go. They could be 8-0 right now. Eli. Yep. I, just, I don't watch him enough to play this game. You know, okay. if, you, if, if you'd have told me it was still 18 and a half or something, I, I'd, yeah. I'd tell you, but 15 and a half, I don't know. Washington, USC, little Pac-12 mm. special here. Uh, USC's catching three and a half at home, yep. the total 76 and a half. What's wrong with USC, and is this a buy-low spot? Ooh. For one game, I believe so. Because when you look at Washington, I'm not sure if McMillan's going to be back. Uh and, and and that's that's what it comes down to for me is Washington seeing what they looked like at full strength and walking out of that game against Oregon, I wasn't sure if they were the better team. They won the game. Uh, you know, Lanning has talked about his decisions that he made in that game that proved to be costly. But I said before, look at what they've done since and look what Washington. Washington was a perfect hangover spot 
after that win, and they you know get a pick six to beat Arizona State, and they go to Stanford and just absolutely go nuts in in a, in a shootout, scoring forty plus. The defense wasn't there, and Stanford's a team that doesn't have much uh, on on offense at all, and their quarterback throws for four hundred yards, and they drop a fourth down pass where they're going in for a score. To, to take the lead. Uh, Giles Jackson is a receiver for Washington, too. He looks like he's going to be doubtful. So I look at SC. I went against them last week with Cal just because I like the spot, knowing uh, you know what they look like uh, the two previous weeks and, and getting their doors blown in by Utah in that run game. But both teams are going to be able to do whatever they want offensively in this game uh, when you look at it. You got Penix. You got Caleb. Uh, I, I, I get – Penix is the front runner. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman. Uh, but if there's ever a time where USC could pull this off, it's this in an instance where it's just going to be offense on offense. Uh, USC did a great job of creating turnovers. They were down 14 in the second half twice mm. last week against Cal and came back and won. The over-under is 76 it's wild. I, I, in this game. And I got to ask but, you, not that I love betting overs and unders at 76 and a half, but there is one number I'm looking at this weekend that I really like, and it's crazy that, that it's the same sport. Iowa, 29 and a <laughs> half at Wrigley Field. I want to I bet the under so bad, Steve. What do I do? Should I wait for it to get bet up? Uh, or should I just... Yeah, because I don't think it's going to go lower. You don't think it's going to go lower? Yeah, you no. think it's going to go higher? I see it at yeah. 31 right now. Good, 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 good. I, oh, I, like, God. I like that under. Smash it at 31, right? I remember being at a game, Illinois played Northwestern at Wrigley, and you can only go one way because the end zone, there's not enough room in one of the end zones. So that tells me the field is shorter. Yep. So maybe that affects the over-under. Yeah. But if you love the under, I, I go like with the, the under. Right? I, I don't see how how you could. How is it the same sport? I mean, you could almost no. put that total in twice. The delta between uh, USC and Washington's total and that total where where it, where it opened up. I mean, it's insane. So I yeah. Is that is there any way that game's on at the same time? They're not. Put them oh. on two screens and just I mean, it's a it's a yeah, big world out there. Put them on two there. screens, figure out your all your technical stuff and making will send you a t-shirt. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right, Kansas State Texas listeners. 25 against 7 uh mm. in the rankings and then Texas is uh laying 4 points at home. 51 and a half is the total. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Seven versus 25. Seven's only a four-point favorite at home. I get it. Malik Murphy's going to quarterback again for Texas, who's a kid uh, we talked about. I love. Uh, I think he's only going to get better with reps. The problem is with Kansas State, it's a, it's a great coaching staff w- with Kleiman. They stumbled early, and now you look at what they've done. Uh, in their last three games, they went th- they scored 38, then they scored 41. They shut out Houston and Coach Holgerson 41 nothing last week, and what they're doing is is getting back to that balance on offense. Uh, when you look at they played two quarterbacks with Will Howard, Avery Johnson's, uh, you know, a guy that came in the week before and led them to a win, but Howard goes 15 of 17, Avery Johnson goes five of six. Uh, they rush for 179. They throw for 215 against a bad Houston team. And the thing with Kansas State is that that style, that balance, and the way they play travels. You know, it, it's not dependent on you know if it's bad weather. Or they're not going to be able to throw the ball. It's a very balanced. But I look at what the defense has done 
uh, you know, in that, you know, giving up zero, giving up three, and only giving up 21 uh, to Texas Tech their last three games out. So I think it's a dangerous spot for Texas. The The, the question is what what the Texas defense uh, will do in this matchup of against that balance. Uh, when you look at Texas's defense, you know, they only allow 97 rush yards a game. So that's, you know, we've talked about that Texas D-line all season, and that's what it comes down to. I think it's a low-scoring game. Uh, I think Kansas State will try and keep that uh, th- that offense, uh, Texas and Malik Murphy, off the field. And they do a good job of keeping stuff in front of you, too. They don't allow big plays or, or guys to get behind you. Uh, but I've been awful with totals in college football this year, and I would lean towards the under, so take the over. All right. Uh, and then lastly, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State in mm. Stillwater. Catching six points at home are the Pokes. Um they call them the Pokes, right? That's right. All yeah. Cowboys, any Cowboys, they just call them the Pokes. Uh, Sixty-one and a half is the total. And I watched a little Oklahoma State last week because I was. Yeah. I needed Cincinnati to close out a big parlay. That would have been nice. Forty-five, uh, thirteen. They are. They are as advertised. Not good, uh, Cincinnati, and they hung around a while. But uh, what do you make of this game? Well, it's the last time. I think it's one hundred seventeen years they've played. Uh, you know, Gundy's talked about not wanting anything to do with them going forward with them going to the SEC, and, and that conversation's kind of been put on hold. But you can't talk about Oklahoma State without bringing up Ollie Gordon the second. I mean, this kid is put in a sentence now with Barry Sanders uh, with two games over um, 250 yards. He's going for 25 for 271 against Cincinnati last week, 29 for 282 against West Virginia the week before, six touchdowns combined. He's got the goods. He, you know, they've done a great job with that split zone, with that GT scheme. Uh, they do a lot of misdirection with the run game. And it's a, it's just a credit to Gundy. Like, you know, I don't know if any team got violated out of the portal more than they did. Mm. And to be able to come back and, and look awful at the beginning of the year and now to put together all these wins uh, four straight, uh, they beat Kansas. They beat Kansas State. They beat West Virginia in Morgantown. They come home. They play Cincinnati, and now they get the rival at home, coming off their loss. Uh, and 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 Oklahoma sounds like they're pretty banged up. It feels like everybody's just going to expect Oklahoma to bounce back here. I would be wary of that. I, I think Oklahoma State could keep this close with that run game, and I, I think it's a field goal game. The, the The question is, Dylan Gabriel. We saw how good he was with that run. Uh, against Texas, but it's because Texas was in a lot of man coverage, and he just saw those guys chasing, and he just dropped back, and, and he was gone. Uh, almost, almost. It looked like a quarterback draw, but it wasn't. It was just him being smart with the football. So I'd be wary here uh, of laying the points, uh, knowing what's at stake, and and what Oklahoma and how they're going to react off their first loss of the season. Uh, so it, it, it's a great matchup. Uh, that that place will be nuts. I still can't believe how there's no room on the sidelines where they have those walls. Dude, it's insane. Those, mm-hmm. It's nuts. It's like I, I, go, I go a couple years without like really sinking into an Oklahoma State game, yep. and then I watch a game in Stillwater, and it's like Arena League football. Yeah. It's insane. It is. Uh, what were they so, doing when they designed that stadium? Oil. 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 <laughs> more space for oil. Yeah. That sideline, more oil. Yeah. 
Hey, uh, speaking of scheduling, the ACC releases schedules for the years twenty twenty four through twenty thirty. I can't yeah. read it. The headline is the Stanford Cardinal will be in Charlottesville in the fall of twenty twenty five. Can't wait! Can't wait, Steve. Come that on. might actually first non Duke game thing day. to get him down to. Yeah, good as time as any to get game day here. And by the way, Come Steve, on. you and Washington been playing since eighteen ninety three. The series is forty five forty four Washington. You guys have a chance late last week to tie that thing up, and you can't do it. I just uh, something worth mentioning. And Washington, I believe, had lost their six straight in Palo Alto. Crazy. That got them off the schnapp. Hey, can we talk about something? Because we just talked about Mike Gundy before we get to Pac twelve locks and the upset specials and all that thing. When I was younger, and Mike Gundy ranted about being a man and being forty. That yep. was kind of like my, I don't know if you guys ever have this where you're like, that's what I'm going to be like when I'm that age. Like, you know, it's, it's okay. That's my marker for 40 is Mike Gundy in that press conference. Now my marker for 53 is Dabo Sweeney mm. after that Whoa. last, that, that outburst on, uh, on his, right. like, me and Macon last night, almost simultaneously sent each other this, uh, this clip. Now, what's the guy's name? Tyler from Spartanburg? Oh, uh, you got it. Tyler yep. from Spartanburg. I don't know what he said, but he touched a hot spot for Dabo, and Dabo went for about five minutes. And, you know, the Jay-Z gif where he's like, I'm not sure if I like this, but I'm bobbing my head. That mm -hmm. was me. And I am admittedly a Dabo hater. There's so much about Dabo that I don't like, and maybe it's just the Clemson thing, but I think it's also like, God's name, image, and likeness. I mean, the NIL stuff rubbed me wrong. I thought when when players wanted to to demonstrate a couple years ago when everything was going on, he kind of he kind of talked him down, shouted him down. There's things about Dabo that I haven't liked, and he's not the only college football coach. But coming out of this rant, this is the most I've ever liked him. I was Agreed. on the porch last night listening to this rant, and I was like, "Do I like Dabo?" Because when he lays it all out there. You can you can hear that and understand why why when he goes into somebody's living room, he's gonna get that guy. Yep. Because he can just go and and he is convicted in what he believes and he's convicted in his belief that they've earned everything at Clemson. Um, and you know I kind of thought coming out of this thing that hey, Dabo's not so bad. Now he's still Dabo, but Ten for five minutes he wasn't so bad. Tennessee caught a stray in that rant. Yeah. Like Clemson hadn't sniffed a national title in 35 years. Hell, we beat Tennessee by however many points last year. It was their first 11-win season in damn near 20 years. Yeah, and Coach K caught a stray, too, because he's like, does Coach K have bad seasons? And I was like, Well, oh, he doesn't because Coach K, he says he, his back hurts yes. when they have bad <laughs> You're right. seasons. You're right. And he puts does Urban Meyer have bad seasons? No, he's got an irregular heartbeat. Uh, or he coaches in the NFL. But I like I thought this Dabo rant was great. We it both was thought it was too. great. The way he said the word Alabama makes me know even more that he wants that job when yeah. Nick's done. Yeah. Like only two other have two national titles, Georgia and Alabama. That's right. That's right. I thought it was pretty interesting, man. He took that guy to town. He just, yeah. for five minutes, Tyler just laid into Tyler. You just touched my foot. I know, I know. Second um, straight show. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I just wanted to mention that it's the first time I've ever liked Dabo. I thought the rant was great. Right. Yeah, I just it's it's really interesting to see how this is going to play out because you go back to the Miami loss in the post game press conference and they asked him what happened in the last play and he just throws his quarterback underneath the bus, say it was a give, and he's trying to do his own thing. Al Shanahan did that with uh, Brock Purdy this weekend mm. and Steve Wilkes the weekend before. 
It'll be interesting. Now you got Notre Dame coming in for a noon game. Uh, Clemson has a lot of school pride. And interested to see what that building is going to be at noon on Saturday. It's November. Irish, as Clemson's not today, an underdog. But when they play this week, it's November and they're 500. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. It's incredible, which also reinforces, and I, I love the rant and everything, and he has worked for it. When you, when you look at his career and everything he's done and his life story, it's captivating. But you need those players. And mm-hmm. and that's that to me is like that lesson every evolved, coach buddy. I mean, like Bill Belichick right now is struggling. And Tom Brady left, he's struggling. You know, uh Nick Saban uh struggling relatively speaking right now. There's a lot of coaches that learn this lesson in different ways on different scales. And, you know, while I, I applaud that 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 rant, you're nobody without the players, which again reinforces the fact that maybe you should pay these guys and maybe you shouldn't complain when they start driving around cars as nice as you. That's just the way of the world now. Anyways, that's enough on Dabo. Best Pac-12 lock. What do you got? Well, we touched on SC in Washington uh, as the game of the week. I think a real interesting game is UCLA at Arizona, who's who's found a resurgence with Fafita at quarterback. Uh, Cal's going to Oregon. Oregon State's going to Colorado to give double digits there. I hmm, tough slate in the Pac-12. Let's get Ooh. back on the bus, Steve. Plus thirteen and a half after a buy ish. I don't know, man. That, how how long ago does that feel? Remember yeah, right. the, the the Colorado thing? <laughs> we were there. I remember. Yeah. But a lot has happened since. That's for sure. We're going to take SC. Okay. All right. SC. Okay. 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 Upset special. Who's our favored? <laughs> Saw that. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. By, by low. I don't know. Tony Elliott got shouted out in the Dabo rant. I know. Right. Who's are headed to Clemson next year? I know. Yeah. It's all coming together. Iowa State's favorite against Kansas. That's interesting. Yeah, that's stinky. Very stinky. I mean, Kansas, they really uh, – they're still hangovers. carrying that, that gold post into that pond, dude. They How really cared pond, a lot about huh? that. Like the Broncos. How about BC going to Syracuse and winning? Okay, how about it? Uh, upset special, BC at Syracuse. STL Memorial Lock. This is now a non-Power 5 uh, lock for all you absolute sickos out there. I, I had Rice last week. It was one of the lone bright bright spots Woo! for me. Rice catching a bunch of points. They covered um, backdoor uh, against Tulane. What do you got? Army's officially on the cross-off list mm. after their performance the last two weeks. Can't cross off the troops. Uh, I'm just – they're on the list. With uh, the Packers. Steve, Northern Illinois won three in a row. They have. Hashtag Max. Halloween stars. topic, Saluki is a terrifying dog. Ooh. Probably the most terrifying-looking dog there is. And Let's go Marshall plus three-and-a-half at App State. Okay, I profited off Marshall last week, Coastal. Got it done, mm-hmm. covered easily. Okay, how about um, how about Timmy Chang? 
which it, uh, to remind people is an award about a college football player. Non-power five. Non-power five. Okay. I know we got to get that fine print mm-hmm. in there. Wide receiver in this week's Timmy Chang award winner, Jimmy Kibble. What? Kibble. K-I-B-B-L-E. My dad was on Six his Six catches, 201 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, Georgetown. The Hoyas. Jimmy Kibble. Jimmy Kibble and the Hoyas. And how about the Cochran Award, which goes to another college football player? <laughs> watch out. Watch out this week. This week's Cochran Award, Haynes King, former Texas A&M quarterback, now the Georgia Tech quarterback. Couldn't even get Feel great for him. Here. Left for dead in, <laughs> in College Station. Beats North Carolina, 23-30 for 287, four tuds, and eight carries for 90 yards. That's an 11-yard average on the ground. Gave passes to nine different guys. Haynes King. Does the does the Vegas him. draft pick get the Isaiah Simmons award because you saw him on the field and he was just like He-Man? Yeah, his arms are long. Yeah. Long. Yeah. And then him wearing that single digit nine, it's like, wow. Yeah, dude's huge. Okay, Isaiah Simmons Award uh, goes to, fuck, Tyree I already Wilson. forgot his name. Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. Um, all right, it's that, t- it's that time yes. of the week where you light money on fire by listening love, to us. Now, Macon's going to say, well, not me, because uh, he had a good week, and he's leader of the clubhouse now. 3-0? and No, he's 12-12 and on the year. 2-1. I'm 11 11- 12 and 1, Steve's 11 and 13. Now, there was a time, I said this on the Monday show, after I lost all this money this past weekend, I walked out the door on Monday morning after betting the Bears enormous mm. and walked by my four month old baby. And mm. uh, I decided I know about as much about the NFL as that four month old baby. Now, two weeks ago, I felt like I was fucking Greg Cosell. All right, uh, I was six, 11 and six, and I was rolling. And then we moved the picks to Wednesday, and we're all struggling a little bit. So, not me, not you, not not making. So we're all royal. We are struggling on Wednesday. Good. I don't know. We who could to give pick, the Thursday though. night game, right? Huh? We could do Thursday night. I was told we couldn't do Thursday night. Now we can do Thursday oh. night. You guys are unfucking sufferable, insufferable. Man, these guys with these rules. Oh, you're the ones with the rules. Two weeks well, ago, I tried to pick a Thursday. To be fair, the show release moved from Friday to Wednesday. Fuck you guys. There's a material I need a, I need a week warning if you're going to change the rules. I think that's We're not fair. doing all this. We're all of a sudden, it's like, hey, whatever Chris wants, we just all conspire to, because you know, he's the boss. Not the guest. We want what Chris wants. Steve, you're up first. <laughs> so no Thursday night. No Thursday night, not without uh, a week's written notice. Okay. I think that's fair. Put, that's fair I'm as putting fuck. in the week's written notice right now. Okay, put it in now. <laughs> yeah. Next week. Next Thursday, what were you going to play on Thursday night? Steelers. I agree. Steelers and the Love under. Them. I already put it in at 37. It's at 35 and a half. Don't there bite the cheese on the, the, the Houston Texans looking like – or not the Houston Texans. I'm confused with the, the, the uniforms and shit. <laughs> Don't bite the cheese on Will Levis looking like Patrick Mahomes out there. Okay? I'm not saying – He's not going to be all right, but this is a week to buy the total low and buy the Steelers. I agree with you, Steve. Okay. I'm going to the best game of the day Mm. in Germany. Give me the Dolphins plus the points. Mm. I love this matchup for the Dolphins' defensive line. I love that group, and I think that's the difference in this game. Uh, Mahomes, not 100%. Now he's got to fly across the globe to play, and I like the Dolphins here. Across the globe. 
Am I up? You are. Oh, I'm not used to those. All right. Uh, fuck. Well, it's here. Do you know who to pick? It's uh, it's here. What? Can I see the lines real quick? Can you throw these lines those up? Those glasses, huh? That's what it is. Okay, yeah. Zoom in. Yeah. I, by the way, I'm coked up Elvis. Did you realize that? It's I thought you were the honky a honky talk man. If you oh, shit. Hold on a second. Yeah. Honky talk man. He's putting chalk all over his face. <laughs> well, you know, at the end. How, how El- do you explain that to the kids? Oh, you say, hey, drugs are bad, okay? <laughs> what dad's doing on the back porch, it's not a big deal. But what Elvis was doing at the end of his life, it was a big deal. That's why he died on the toilet. Son, you'll never see me dying on the toilet. Mm. Unless it's cardiac arrest or something. I, I, I'm not a How drug guy. Elvis was a drug guy. It's pretty easy to explain this to the kids. Okay. My vice is gambling. Maybe you should take my side sometimes, Waylon. Okay? Okay. Go little, to your room. Okay? A little left-handed cigarette every once in a while. It's not going to hurt anybody. <laughs> Fuck. Elvis. Uh, All right. Fuck. Make a pick. I'm going to make a pick. I'm going to make a pick here. I'm going to make a pick here. Uh, and my pick is going to be... God, this is icky. Ugh. Anybody going to go back to the Packers? No. I'm going to take no. the New Orleans Saints. Whoa. <sighs> minus seven. All right. A lot of money on the Bears. I'm nervous about it. But here's my thinking. Okay. And this is where I get into trouble when I think. But New Orleans defense is better than the Chargers defense. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Tougher environment. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, Derek Carr, not real good with people falling all around him. Now, Montez Sweat factors in, right? Because mm. all of a sudden he's a, he's a Chicago Bear. But I think the pocket's going to be pretty clean. And the last six quarters, they have been rolling a little bit offensively. Now, I know I said I'm off the Saints, but remember what I thought about Bajant the first week. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, man, he stares things down. He's, 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 he's a young quarterback. Um, I think maybe we see that this week. And you know, my biggest worry is probably low total big spread, but I'll take the uh I'll take the Saints. I already threw him in a teaser with the I can't tell you yet. <laughs> okay. Come on, first place. I am going to go to Germany with Steve. Fuck, you're gonna do it. And I'm going to take the under Fuck you. I should have took it. On fifty one. Being the total of Munich Dolphins and Chiefs under fifty-one. Now I can't bet it because then I got to root for you, Steve. Just you know t- what he did last week? Can I tell you? I know I'm interrupting you, but can I tell yeah, you? Yeah, please. I came in the day after I gave out the fucking uh, the Colts or the uh, the the not the Colts the Frank. I gave out the Texans and they're playing the uh, Panthers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I said, Macon, I'm really worried about it. We've got. Frank Reich, 4-0 off by an Indy. This one stinks. Don't bet it. I'm betting the other way. So Sunday, the locks come out. We post the social. Under the social, Macon's got this. this, this oh, no, 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 my friend. And I hope these folks will attest. I was the first one in this room to say, hey, it's the Panthers. And then you said, save it. I got a stat. I know, but you put it under the thing like I'm on the, the Texans. It's been four days since I said I'm on oh, the Panthers. Oh, you take everything so personally. Yeah. That, that wasn't a personal thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, it felt like it felt a little personal. I didn't mean it that way. Okay, well, I, I gotta say, you're probably right about this one. The under. 
in in Munich. I love this play, Macon. Okay. Nicely done. That's Frankfurt. Thank you. Or wherever the fuck. Whatever it is. the fuck. It doesn't Whoa. fucking matter. Geography nerd. Yeah. Across, oh, I, or across I, the globe, around the globe. He's going halfway around. I'm the flying globe. to four cities a week. I know every city. Okay. <laughs> next. All right. Next. Nerd. <laughs> Steve, you're a nerd. I'm he up. called you a nerd. <laughs> I called him a nerd okay. first. I know, but it sounded different. <laughs> It did. It like did. Eagles <laughs> minus three at home against the Cowboys. Yeah, um, yeah, it's the right pick. Love it. Yep. I'll be betting the house on the Eagles. Right chasing. <laughs> I'll be chasing Chase Eagles money line. Chase long. Okay. Uh, here's another icky one. It, the ickies ones are the way to go. I'm gonna go Giants catching three points. I'm gonna wow. buy the half point. Giants catching three points in Vegas. I don't know if Danny Dimes is going to be up. I don't know if Tyrod. Oh, Danny DeVito. Who's going to be up? It doesn't Tommy matter. DeVito. It doesn't matter. Danny is, DeVito. It, is it DeVito? We yeah. don't know. W- w- tell me the truth before I make it. It could be pick. Dimes. We don't know. We don't know. Hostetler. We, we don't know on DJ. <laughs> What's Jeff going on Hostetler with Tyrod game? Taylor? Is he dead? Danny Dimes. Said He's out of the hospital. He will play week nine against the Raiders. I love it. Give me the Giants oh. catching oh, wow. three points. That's I'd a good pick. Buy it to three if I have to. Is it two and a half? nerd. <laughs> oh, is it two? That's a Ooh, fucking bad. Careful. Ooh. I could get you two and a half some places. Yeah, I can get two and a half all types of places, huh? I can find a two and a half. And yeah, it's, three. yeah I'm buying go. a three. For the host. For the, For the host. For the host. You know? Help them out. I don't get any Grubhub money back from any of you guys. The least you can do is give me a fucking. Well, Grubhub well's dried up. I haven't <laughs> seen food in here in months. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm going to go to primetime, and I'm going to take and buy a half point with the New York Jets. It's at three. I'll go to three That's and a half. That's a great pick. Jets hosting the Chargers. Great pick. It's on the list. Mm. God damn it. All righty. I am going to go to Foxborough and give me the under mm. in Commanders Patriots. By the way, and we're going to talk about more locks after this, but I kind of like the Pats in this spot. Yeah. I, I do. I mean, like. Convince me otherwise. I throw the, I just throw throw all the the against the spread stuff out with Bill the first half of the season. Throw all the, you know whatever metrics you want. They're playing better ball right now. And Washington's losing a lot and just traded Montez Sweat. I know, yeah, and I know it's about the contract and we talked. And there's about a lot earlier. of bad tape on that O line. There's a lot of bad tape on the O line. All right, yeah, like you're not going to be able to to get the ball out. We talked about Sam Howell two four seven or whatever this week. He got the ball out quick. The quick game was there. Like, New England can challenge these guys. Does Bill watch the iPad on a treadmill? He kind of does, dude. I used to be in the weight room, and he'd be in there just walking. And, you know, he can't just walk. He's got to be doing film, too. Yeah. So, we'll talk about maybe some more of these games in a little bit. You know, you could take the pats. Here's what I'm deciding. I I got a total here that I like. Okay? And I think it's going to be under in Baltimore. Um, mm. it's sitting at 43 mm-hmm. and I like it there. I just feel like when you look at the, uh, the Ravens, there are, okay. Ravens eight, eight of the last 12 Seattle, uh, games went under 12 of the last 18 Ravens games, eight of the last 10 Baltimore at home five and zero oh as, uh, five and zero oh in the last five, uh, as home favorites to the under. So, like in the three, five to 10 range. So like there's a ton of metrics here that say to take the under here. If I don't hit the under, it's because of all these metrics. Oh, 
Why are we so worried about the Seahawks all of a sudden? Don't we think they're excellent? I do is think they're good. One o'clock on the East Coast? What is it? I don't know if that really proves out. If you look at the Seahawks and teams. should have lost to PJ Walker, is that it? No, it's just the total. It's just I just feel like this game, when you look at these numbers. Just the five and a half seems like a high number. I know I you're know, on the total. Yeah, no, I'm not. And and I would bet the Ravens if I had to bet huh. somebody. Okay. I just I just I just feel really good about the Ravens. Okay. Okay. It's not a divisional game. It's not a you know, it's this is the type of game where they Detroit out of out of conference comes in town, um, out of division, comes in town. Um, they whoop them. I, I just feel like this is a good spot for the Ravens. All right, I've got a terrible one for you to round out the slate here. Minnesota Vikings and their quarterback, plus five in Atlanta. Jeez, you're doing um, it. Hey, Be it Jaron Hall. What, has something no, happened? No, they, I also pick. think they're trading for a quarterback today. Well, you, might, you are right, sir. Okay, well, Who is so it? that's why... Oh, no. Josh Dobbs. It's Josh Dobbs? Oh. So I'm going to let that line is, I'm going to let that line come back down and I'm going to take the Falcons on the other side is, of it in real life. Is the pick in? I liked it better when it was Jaron Hall. Did you? <laughs> I said it, but I don't I didn't have that information. Really? I said the Vikings. Okay. Can I take it back? I'm sure you can. I can take it back, yeah. It's fine if you want yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. All right. Josh Dobbs. So I'd like to take some of mine back. Um, all, all of them. Um, mm, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Ah, uh, Joe Public Squares. Bengals are playing well. Two and a half at home. Is is uh is is Joe Public on? Let's talk about that one. The the, the locks are in. Steve's got the Dolphins catching points. The Eagles laying points. The under. Uh, in New England, I got the Saints <laughs> too many points. Uh, Giants catching three with Danny Dimes, buying the half point there, under 43 Seahawks Ravens, Macon, under 51 Dolphins Chiefs, Jets uh, buying the half point to four. Love those. And then the Bengals minus two and a half. This is where I might be on the other side. Okay. Because Joe Public, I haven't looked yet, but the public I would assume would be on the Bengals. I think so. Yeah, so you are Joe Public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I see yeah. what you're saying. Mm. I, I like the Bills there. I really do, especially if this is at three. And I like the over. Okay, like, I think this is a game where, and you look at the Bills 10 days ago. They ran a lot of no huddle. They upped the tempo. They adjusted to having one tight end up in the game. I think if they can go light and keep those guys out of that bare front, Right, like that bare front for San Francisco was really good uh, last week uh, for for Cincinnati and San Francisco. I I think if Buffalo can dictate the terms of this game, the scoring will be up, and I I kind of tend to like Buffalo. What do you think on that one, Steve? Really interested to see what happens with the way Cincinnati. Play. I don't know if Cincinnati could play better than they did last week. Exactly, that was, that was really really impressive. Clinic. And when I look at the Bills, like just look at Stephon Diggs has ninety targets in eight games, ninety. Yeah. And when I look at the Bills, I still wonder about what they do well offensively. Like I, I think that's that's a problem. Uh, you know, if Godwin turns around a half a second earlier, they lose that game Thursday night. Yeah. Like, I, I still can't get over 
seeing a Hail Mary hit the ground. But the backdoor cover, the drive was like awful. Oh, God. I mean, it was Disgusting. Two it was, fourth down penalties. It was so awful. That was an all-timer. It was so fucking gross. And, the, and then Evans catches that ball off the helmet. Dude, so like, that's what I'm saying. So, They're not even in range to to cover uh, you know, or win if things kind of go like three plays, two on fourth down, and then I think there was another one on that drive that extended I, that drive. I'm just really interested in Buffalo's plan and how they go about attacking Cincinnati's defense. That's, I mean, you know about the defensive ends. I think their secondary's super underrated. Yeah. So what are they going to come out and try and establish? Um, that That's what I wonder. If, they're, if they come out um, and have a plan, like that over is easy, I think. But if they come out and dilly-dally and, you know, false starts on the road and that whole thing and Josh tries doing too much with, you know, being behind the sticks, they're in trouble. Uh, again, because I think that consistency is just bad. Now, Gabe Davis had a great game against Tampa. Does he ever put them all together? That that That's what I worry about Buffalo. Uh, I'm not sold. I do uh, agree with Macon with, with Cincinnati there. So um... – I got to get back to what I do. Tease God's got to get back to what he does. Come on now. I'm putting in a, a teaser as we speak. Cleveland Browns minus one, Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. plus 10. Um, okay. And I'll, I'll hedge that with the, the over. It's not really a true hedge, but I feel like it's a hedge in my tease brain. Tease the over. Tease the, hey, you don't tease total, Steve. Why not? You just stick to the long method. Okay. You know? <laughs> got it. Um, and some other ones I had on my list here. That's Pan- a good one, Chris. What? That's you like easy that teaser? What you just said. I, that's, it sounds easy. But that's why they call them teasers. Okay, so we've got, we've got, we've got the, that teaser. I also threw the Saints into teaser with the, uh, with the, uh, the 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 Browns as well. So there's a lot riding on the Browns. Uh, Josh Dobbs is out of the picture. Do you think Kyler Murray plays? Because that's what Gannon said. It's either going to be Kyler Murray or the rookie. I don't think. You want to roll Kyler Murray out there for any reason against Cleveland? They said tune. Yeah, so it's tune. Yeah, it's got. It. And I, I thought that's a twenty-one day deal that Murray has to practice for. I don't know, Nolan. What do you got? It is a twenty day, twenty-one day window, but he can come off okay uh, earlier. He could come off yeah, early. Whenever that does. You know, yeah, and I oh, wow, and okay. I think maybe that's a little game plan wrinkle. But do they really want to yeah. even win this game? I mean, at this point, no. And another thing I want to bring up: if you're looking to bet Cleveland, and that line's now up to eight, the cards have. It, is it possible that we overvalue the cards? Like mm-hmm. it's 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 crazy to me because all we talk about on this show is how good of a John, job Jonathan Gannon's done, and that sort of thing. They're like one in seven. Okay, they start the season three and zero against the spread. Then they're zero and four against the spread, depending on what you got the um, the uh, Seattle game at. If you got it at nine, you know Seattle. If you got it at ten, it was a, it was a push. it was a push. Uh, but then last week, the only way they get that cover is that freak onside kick. Um, and so, like they have been failing to cover the spread for much of the season. I think knee jerk is like Cardinals play everybody close. If they're starting this rookie, I, I like Cleveland here. Um, and I like the under. You talked about the under in Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Baltimore. The Panthers catching three points. I also would look at the over in that game. Indy can't stop anything. Um, that's pretty much all of it. I mean, like uh, New England. I like New England. Um, anything else you like that's fringy here looking at it? I mean, Rams-Packers is icky. I know a guy named Rams Packer. Do you really? Yeah. Great writer, Andrew Rams Packer. 
That's interesting. Yeah. Well, Eagles is the right play, Steve. Eagles is the right play. Justin Fields deemed week to week. You worried all about that that Saints figure if one trots out there? I'm not. I don't think I don't think Justin Fields um I think the rule is if you come back next week, you can't wear sunglasses on the sideline. Yeah, fair. You know, that, that seems like three weeks. Mimicking uh, calling the play on the sideline? Yeah, I don't know, man. That that Everything scares me right now. It's fucking <laughs> Halloween. I took a bath last week, so. Under a field goal, minus two and a half. Uh, what's Kansas? What's the Dolphins? Two and a half, I think, or two? It's two. a two. I'll two. take that to three. Let's just it's two. A half it's a two. So yeah. It's oh, a it's two. at two. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Eagles. Here's the last game I want to ask you guys about before we wrap up. Houston and Tampa Bay. This is one that I can't figure out. Um, the line, you know, the the line's two and a half. Texans lay in two and a half at home. Forty's the total. It opened up at like thirty-eight. I thought initially you want to bet the under, but I I don't know. I can't figure this one I, out. If the Bucks win, it's under. If the Texans win, it's over. That's interesting. That's really interesting. And who do you think wins this game? He leans Texans, but he stays away. I lean Texans and, and stay away, I think. Yeah, I think so. The front's really good in Tampa. On both sides yes. of the ball, the fronts are really good. I think that the, the Texans have enough up front, but they can't really run the ball. Um, you know, it kind of comes down to protecting CJ Shroud. Bucks have lost four or five. That's that. All right. Well, let's let's look and see if Schefter's tweeted anything, and then get on our merry way. Has any trades happened uh, as of one o'clock or two o'clock here? Josh Dobbs was the last one. Okay, out of Arizona to Minnesota. Splash. Jeez, he's gonna. I don't even know what they're doing in Minnesota. Should have gotten Kyler. Okay, they must not feel good about Jaron Hall. No, not at all. But Dubs like he got, he got, he took a couple shots late too. Yeah, yeah three no for question. four. Hopefully, he's like thirty-seven years old. Hopefully, those shots follow him team to team from last week, and he's feeling sore this week. Um, all right, guys, happy Halloween. Uh, enjoy the festivities, and hopefully, we made you money today. A uh, couple things. Uh, shout out to the branch shout and um, Virginia tight end Sackett Wood. Will not play this week. Oh, Sackett Wood. Mm. Okay, that's a Virginia name. If I no, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. Sackett Wood. I've never met anybody named Sackett. Lived big, here almost my whole life. Big day for Grant Mish. Okay. Take care, Steve. Love you guys. Love, Love you. you. Happy Halloween. All right. Even though it's over. I'm